So, hello. Are they wet wet? Are these different than regular ones? Yeah, they're like dark berry. Hmm. So, I don't It's like kind of like a blueberry-ish. Dark berry-ish, I don't know. I'm assuming it's... Uh, it's weird. I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, I'm not crazy. It does taste different. Huh. I'm, I, I like... I'm like, normal Dr. Pepper seems better, but I got it, and I was like, well, I already opened it, so I can't return it. Yeah, it's an interesting flavor. It's very weird. Yeah. So... And I'm a big Dr. Pepper fan. That's kind of... It's, it's interesting. <laughs> like, I think, I think, what is it? Like, Cherry Dr. Pepper? I don't mind Cherry Dr. Pepper. I love Cherry Dr. Pepper. Cherry Dr. Pepper's but fantastic. I saw it, and I was like, oh, Dark Berry Dr. Pepper? That's probably really good. And I was like, no. No. I'd rather just have a normal Dr. Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but... Uh, hello, we have... Well, never mind. I'll let you introduce yourself. <laughs> hey, it's Alex Bean. A B. Yeah. What's your middle name? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> this is like multiple names. Uh, well, my middle name is Alexander. Oh, so your first name is your middle name. You use your middle name as your first name. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I think you said that before. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, people. I've. Uh, I didn't even know what my first name was until I was like six years old. When I finally went to kindergarten. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Because right, me and my brothers all go by our middle names. And so it's just when that when they were calling roll that first day of school, they were like, uh, is this person here? It's like, I don't I mean, my last name's Bean. I don't know about this, this other. The rest name. of it. Re- or the rest of that. <laughs> I'm weird. That's not bad. And so. It's not an issue. So. I don't know. I, I think I asked you that before. I can't remember. But. But yeah, Bean's a returning guest. <laughs> He's Happy here. To be back. He's here for the, I don't know, adventures. I don't know. Happy to be back. I'm not so sure if I'm as happy about di- drinking dark berry. I got Dr. water. Eh, I'll, I got, I'll start with this. I got root beers. No, that's even worse. <laughs> you don't like root beer? I'm not a root beer guy. I don't like it. Like, Jeez. It, for me, it has this weird aftertaste with it. I just not crazy Man. about it. Root beer was my favorite, like one of my favorite sodas you know i appreciated root beer one time when i made it myself it was like a seventh grade like science fair project that me and my buddies made our own root beer yeah that (laughs) sounds awful yeah it wasn't great (laughs) i have like the ibc root beer which is not really my favorite brand but Uh, but you get what you get yeah have you ever heard of uh craig's story with a ibc root beer is it the one where he was at the party and call it yeah (laughs) Yeah, because they were all, I think they were all drinking, but they said, yeah, he wasn't drinking or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was at a college party at A&M, and he, he doesn't drink. He didn't like the taste of beer or anything like that, so he was just drinking IBC root beer, and uh, all of a sudden, the cops show up to bust up the party, and he, they're writing everyone for underage drinking and everything like that, and all these drunk 18, 19, 20-year-olds are like, hey, you can't get him. He's sober. He's not actually drinking. He's a Christian. <laughs> He's not a real one. <laughs> uh, and it was all these drunk people had his back, and it was just one of those, just like for him, it's just, huh? They ha- okay? Um, I guess I'm not getting a ticket Honestly, tonight. <laughs> I feel that. I don't like to taste alcohol either. So, but. Well, I like beer, but I'm at Criswell, so I'm not supposed to drink. But also, I have a past with drinking, so that's probably for the best. There you go. <laughs> Drink when you get done. 
Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> the last time I drank, I ended up injuring myself so and getting in a fight. So maybe I shouldn't drink. Or just control it. Don't drink too much. Let's see. I'm scared that was going to burst. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you want to talk about? Want to talk about biblical stuff? I'm trying to see if I have anything. I don't really. Well, I have things written down. It's just. Yeah. There <laughs> are topics I have yet to jump into. So. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what is this? Also, sorry for anybody listening if I'm coughing over and over. I've been fighting allergies for the last, like, four days. He's got COVID. I don't have COVID. I'm just kidding. <laughs> This I wouldn't is, really care if you had COVID. These are the same allergies I've had my entire life. <laughs> so, you allergic to like uh, trees or something? It's something in the air. I don't know. Like it, I think it came in, it came in like after this cold front and the the rains on Tuesday. So I'm not sure what it brought in, but <clears throat> just good old raspy voice and <laughs> that happens. Yeah, lots of coughs and congestion and. Lots of drugs to try and combat that. <laughs> yep. Doing all the drugs. Sopapillas and such. You say sopapillas? Technically, it's a drug. Sopapilla? Yeah. A Mexican dessert? Yeah. How is that a drug? Because it's addictive. Okay, just because something's addictive <laughs> does not make it a drug. <laughs> I could say the same thing for water. No. <laughs> Anything addictive is a drug. That's a fact. I don't think that's true. Also, I don't think water is necessarily addictive. I think it's just a need. It's addictive for some people. Is it, though? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think that's true. I had times where water is addictive. I, I don't think that's true. What do you think I'm just injecting myself with, like, Powerade 24-7? You're injecting yourself? <laughs> <laughs> You're not drinking it? You're injecting well, it gets, it yourself? It gets there faster if I inject it. I guess that's true, but why? Why not? Ugh, needles, that's why. Yeah, I know. That's why not. That's true. I don't like needles. I hate needles. Um, you text me on the way here. It's like, hey, by the way, there's a wash nest outside the front door. And I'm like, oh, love that. <laughs> Dude, oh, I got stung by those wash. They're yellow jackets. And I got the first time I came home, like, it was like a week ago. <laughs> I'm, I've been meaning to get rid of it. I keep forgetting to get the spray. But the first time I came, I got stung twice. I, I got stung on my chest and like my arm, and I was, I backed out. I was like, "What the heck just happened?" And then I saw, I saw the little nest. I was like, "Oh, great!" Oh, love that. So, I always get marked. Like, I don't get stung a lot, but when it happens, <clears throat> it's permanent. Mm. So, I still have a mark from like three years ago. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. There was this time in college. I didn't get stung, but I did have a net. I think they were getting like inside the siding of my house yeah. that I was staying at and there was this one yellow jacket in particular that was like the bodyguard of the of the whole place and he was perched on my porch light like waiting for me as I pulled up and so it was an old house so my key worked for the front door and the back door so I went through the back door yeah <laughs> and just went around and I had this window. I had this window right by this front door, and so I opened the blinds up, and that ye- yellow jacket just whoop, right in front of my face, staring <laughs> me down. I'm like, oh, I was like, uh, no, we're not doing that. Closed the blinds. Went went away for about like 20, 30 minutes, 
And I just like walked over and I was like, okay, let me just uh, peek through. Not just full open, but just peek through. Zoom! Right back. I'm like, okay, this thing is gunning for me. Um, this is not okay. So I'm, okay, fine. You can have the front door then. I'll take the back. So I went out, went to Lowe's, grabbed the spray, like parked like in the back. Like I had a really long driveway. I parked like towards the street and like started walking up. And I got that like good, like, 20 foot range spray yeah and i got out and i showed up it's just it's like you die you son of a god <laughs> and that's and he still flew towards me i hit him he flew towards me and then he started to go over the house and flew over the house i still don't know if i actually killed him or not <laughs> he's out there prodding <laughs> Plotting revenge well i'm gone now thankfully that was in lubbock <laughs> so maybe he followed you He's in the neighborhood. I would hope not. Make his nest in one of the trees or something. That that, that guy would be a super yellow jacket by this point. Modified that was, version. That was like three, four years ago. Yeah. That I'm, I would be terrified. Super wasp thingy. Yeah, like that is that is the stuff of nightmares right there. Just I'm gonna be sleeping in my bed and all of a sudden the yellow jacket. I'm gonna wake up and a yellow jacket's like right in front of my face. It's like remember me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Here to get my revenge. <laughs> Got like a scar on his face or something. It's like Deathstroke or something. Like, yeah. Or Two Face, like half of his faces. <laughs> I made it out alive. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I need to get the spray. I was supposed to get it from my dad's house, but I kept forgetting throughout the week. So, but I haven't been stung since. So I've somehow made it almost twenty-five years without being stung. I don't know how. I've been to tons of camps and everything where they're all over the place. It's probably because God knows if I ever did get stung, I'd probably just be like, all right, kill me now. Just, just take me away. Just take me away. I'm done. I'm done. We're, we're good. I've lived a full life. Just let's, let's, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I, I went a long time without getting stung. I've only ever been stung while at work, really. And mm-hmm. then the other day when I got stung outside my house. <clears throat> but, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, I know. I've I've heard stories, and quite frankly, none of them ever make me feel excited to ever get stung. The first time I got stung, I was in the backyard, and I got stung on my back where I couldn't reach. Oh. I, it was hurting so bad, like it was really stinging. So I grabbed the hose and I just started spraying it down my back <laughs> just to get some relief because I had never experienced it. I was like, whoa! But no, and then of course you watch like TV shows and everything where it's like. You see the wasps or the bugs or whatever, and they'll, they'll like step on it and they'll like sting them through the shoe. And I'm just like, okay, I don't know if that's real or not, but it's enough for me to not try it. <laughs> I think it depends on your shoe, probably. I don't know. I like just the concept of like however thick the sole of my shoe is, and the fact that that thing stinger is dedicated enough to go through the shoe. To try and sting the bottom of my foot, like no, no thanks. You you can you can have it. Like go. That's <laughs> <laughs> one way to do it. Ugh. But yeah, Ugh. let's see. I'm trying to think of questions. I used all my questions last time. How long has it been since David's been on the podcast? I was actually just looking at that like right after getting in contact with you. I was like, oh, I wonder how long. The last time he was on was January first. The it's been New, six New months. Year's Day. <laughs> it was the day after we had that that party at Craig's oh house. Oh my goodness! That's when we recorded. That's funny. And wow. he hasn't been on since. After that, he said he would take a break. 
So it's been six months. David, come back. <laughs> Everyone so, wants you back. <laughs> uh, yeah. I definitely... It's a lot different different doing trying to do episodes alone. Want to know something that was different? What? Seeing him walk in without his mustache and goatee. Like oh, because he shaved it? Yeah. He, he's done that a few times. I feel like I've never seen it that way. I, like, I he walked have. In, I was like, who are you? I've seen him like that. It's just I'm used to him. He usually keeps it. Yeah, I like like, I'm used to him having he it. He walked in, and I was like, what? And, I asked, and so I asked him, I was like, hey, like, what, so what gives? And he's like, this was not on purpose. I had a hazard shaving my beard. I was just trying to trim it. Didn't like it. And so I was like, no, we're done. Just took it all off. Dude, that's happened to me too. I try and do a new thing. I'm like, nope, that doesn't work. So I just, it's all gone. Mm-hmm. I've done that a few times. So if I can't get it right, I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. Not going through that embarrassment. You didn't see him like a while ago when he just had a mustache. Like he shaved his goatee and just see, kept the mustache. See, and that looked good. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. But yeah he shaved know. the goatee though. Yeah. I don't know why he doesn't keep the mustache. I think he, I think he could rock it. <laughs> he could. I don't think he wants to though. It's a shame. He doesn't like that he, he can't like grow a full on beard, I think. That he only has like the mustache goatee thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like that really works for you. Yeah, it does work. Like so, you don't need a you don't need like, a beard. it looks really good. Believe so. me, all of this just gets annoying and itchy and costs way too much. Do you much. just keep yours trimmed short? Uh, I mean, sometimes I shave it, sometimes I trim it. I mean, I'll let it grow for a while. Like, I'll just get lazy, and it'll just grow and grow. And then it finally gets to the point where, like, my beard hairs are, like, three inches long, and I'm just like, this doesn't look good. And I'll go, and I'll clean it up, and I'll come back to church, and at least three people will make a comment about how I don't look homeless anymore. (laughs) That is a problem. So, I have curly hair, so I think if I grew it out too long, you get all curly and look really bad yeah mine gets all tangled and everything and i'm just even though i brush it every single day i'm just like okay you brush your beard oh yeah of course wouldn't it be me gotta have a brush gotta i don't brush my hair though so no, i brush my hair too so I gotta keep it all intact under control because if i don't it will just be it'll it'll look like a mop straight up like that's why i shave my head usually I, 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 no no <laughs> No, 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 no. You really? <laughs> I will not shave my head. Have you never shaved your head? Uh, like I, I did when I was a child. Bad. I did when I was a child, and I got the like the three just buzz just all over, and I hated it every single time. Dude, that's how you give. If you ever have to give yourself a haircut on your own, you just put it on one setting and just do the entire head. No. Otherwise, otherwise everything bad goes down. No, nope, this is why I have a family friend that does hair that loves me very much and always takes care of me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get free haircuts from my mom, so ah, well. I take advantage. You know, I would do that if my mother had some sort of, like, understanding on how it should work. <laughs> but she does not. <laughs> how do you turn this on? <laughs> but I, I think there was one time when I went to a to get my hair cut they actually like nicked my ear one time and that was enough for me to just like hate getting haircuts and I think that was when I started only getting haircuts like twice or three times a year yeah I like I never get haircuts hardly yeah I can't I can't grow my hair out long so I get haircuts often <clears throat> it's annoying mm-hmm. yeah, people like and it's really funny because like you'll talk to some people it's like man I spent like $60 in this haircut or $80 in this haircut and I'm like like what? I spend that much in a year. 
Like, what are you doing? Yeah, haircut. Well, I guess it depends on how long your hair is. It's typically the females. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I haven't been to a barber in years. Yeah, barbers are no. Or like either. any, any of that. Maybe next time I need to get a haircut, I'll go. I'm waiting for Shawn Michael to shave his head. Why you want to see what he looks like? No, I know what he looks like. I grew up with him. I know exactly what he looks like. I'm just waiting for him to shave it off because he's been growing. He's been growing it out for locks of love. Yeah. And so it needs to be a certain length before he can he can donate it. Yeah. And it is apparently not there yet. And I'm like, buddy. How long has it been growing? Years. <laughs> I feel like it would have been longer. It's he's been growing that probably since he was in high school. So wow, probably four years now. Like 2018, 2019, yeah. something like that. This one. Yeah, he's got like really long hair. It's like I can't do that. Yeah, no. Imagine if he straightened his hair. It I mean, just falls. I mean, down. his hair's already not that much curl. Yeah, curly. it's not that he, bad, but it kind of he keeps it out of his face. Thankfully, <laughs> granted, his face is covered with hair too. So with his beard and Dude, everything, just buzz cut it and shave his beard off. No. That would be... Nobody wants I would to see love that. to see that. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> when do you know it's him? Be a new guy. Uh, some of us would. <laughs> no, so Michael used to have this tradition. Uh, every summer, he would uh, shave his head and have a faux hawk. Yeah, he mohawk, told me about that. summer mohawk. And uh, at camps, he would... Uh, so his mom does uh, face painting and all that stuff and everything. And so they put, like, designs, like, in, like... The shaved part of his head, like, for camp. Like, there was one year we had, uh, like, the camp was called, uh, the theme or whatever was Thirst. I think that was back in, like, 2013 or something. Uh, it was big camp, big, they had a whole video series thing. It's whatever. But he actually, like, they actually drew the design into, like, the side of his head. And, like, just rocked it for the whole week. And was like, you know, that looks cool, but also... You're never gonna find a woman. <laughs> like I love you, but you're never gonna. Find I wouldn't. A woman I wouldn't mind doing that, but it would cost extra money to do stuff in the side of your head. So it's like, not worth it. Yeah, I mean, it was just his mom, like just just with paint, like just did a did a little design in there. Yeah, and so I've thought about getting tattoos on like sides of my skull. Oh god, ow! And then like, you know, when I let my hair grow, and then when I'm when I shave it. It's there. It when just I shows up. Yeah, it's just there. It's like, how long has that been there? Well, you see, I got the tattoo like six <laughs> years ago, but I've grown my hair out, so you couldn't see it. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> it's a secret to everyone. Yeah, but I don't know. I thought I, I also thought about getting tattoos on my neck, but I know one guy. He's actually that would be, he's gonna coach with me next year. I know one guy. He's got tattoos on his neck, and he's all tied up and everything. And I'm just, I look and I'm just like. You know, it's cool, but I don't see the appeal and desire. Granted, I'm just not a tattoo person either. Because, uh, again, uh, needles are of the devil. That's the only thing <laughs> I'm willing to do with needles is tattoos. Mm-hmm. I hate so. needles. I hate shots. I hate stingers. I hate... I just hate. <laughs> I hate. I hate hate. Yeah, like, no. Needles are... Like, even, like, giving blood. Like, oh, yeah. Even when I was poor and they were like, hey, yeah, you can go over here and, like, do plasma and all that. And Oh, man. You can do that, like, every Have you other given week. plasma? No. Okay. My I bro- haven't, so and I don't want to. So when my brother was in college, that was, like, a second job for him was, like, giving plasma. Like, he'd go work, and then, like, every other, like, oh. twice a month, he'd give plasma 
and get paid for that. I don't know how bad that is. Like, is I don't know if it's more painful than just like just a needle giving blood. I have no idea. Like, I don't I don't know how that works. Um, I have to say, like, when I was at the hospital a few months ago for my kidney stone, and they took blood to like run tests and everything. I came out of that room, and uh, my girlfriend at the time, her dad was there, and I looked about as white as that napkin. <laughs> and they were they were very concerned. And they I'm trained pretty, me. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, and it wasn't even like it was only like a like one vial of blood, but I'm pretty sure just the idea, in fact, that I had to get give blood at that point and just have to have the needle in my arm was enough to just. Send me into shock, despite oh, yeah. the fact that my kidney stone was like as if I was burning in hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little extreme. <laughs> Have you had a kidney stone? No. Exactly. And I'm very surprised I haven't. <laughs> it so. is terrible. I'm sure it is. John Michael had one like a month before me. Yeah, y'all went through like a phase, like an infection. God, who's gonna kind of hit next? It, it hit Claire next. That's who it hit yeah, next. Yeah, but after Claire, <laughs> who's had, next? And she had multiple. Oh yeah. Well, and the funny thing was, I kept on telling her she was like she wasn't drinking water, and I was like, Claire, like, I just went through. You just witnessed me go through this kidney stone. Like, you should be like really drinking more water. And she's like, No, I only drink water if I'm like severely dehydrated and all this stuff and everything. And I'm just gonna drink my coffee and all that. And then she's having like terrible stomach pains. Like she even broke up with me at that time when she was having all these pains and everything. And I told her, like, well, you probably have kidney stones. She's like, oh, no, it's some other infection deal, whatever. And then, like, three weeks later, like, results come back, and it's like, hey, you have a kidney stone. You have multiple kidney stones, actually. Yeah. And it's like, well, let's, I mean, cause she even told me, she was like, well, you're going to you're gonna laugh at this, but you were right. And I'm like, I mean, what am I not right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've been scared of getting kidney stones, but it has yet to happen. Apparently, that's, like, Craig's biggest fear, his kidney stones. Well, I'm sure the older you get, the worse it is, so... So probably to get it young. Yeah, uh, Brian's dad, Doctor Barry. He, uh, I don't know what it is, but whenever you get a kidney stone, everyone else wants to tell you about their experience of when they had kidney stones. And so there was like seven different people that were just like, "Hey, yeah, like when I had kidney stones, it was like this and this." And so Doctor Brian's dad was one of those. <laughs> and uh, I had class with him. He was, he was like, "Oh yeah, I remember when I was at Kidney Stone Baptist Church, and I was." <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a kidney stone, but I had something. I don't. I don't know the pain of kidney stones, but uh, like two years ago, I had this issue with my eye, mm. and it was like the. I can't remember what it was, but it was like the first layer of my eye had torn. Oh. So any amount of light mm-hmm. that went through my eye burned oh. significantly, Duh. and even if you had your eye closed, there's still light that goes through your mm. eyelid. Right. So unless I was in pitch dark, it was significantly painful. That sounds miserable. It was hilarious because it happened, and it, I, I had to like get it all fixed and all that. It spent like two weeks recovering, and then a few weeks later, it happened to my other eye. What? And it has never happened since. What? The and it never happened before. I, I, it just came out of nowhere. How does that even happen? I don't know. Like, did you lose a bet, and we're like, hey, shave? <laughs> Take like, a knife and just. <laughs> they were like, hey, shave your eyebrows, and you just like slipped and accidentally slit your eye open. Like, oh man, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, I think we are saying something about my eyes being dry, but I was like, I've never done eye droughts before, and this hasn't happened, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've had problems with my eyes just because I've worn contacts for yeah. so many years. Um, 
I wore glasses for many years and got made fun of for wearing glasses and braces and having acne and all that. And I was super smart, so I was your typical nerd. And then all of a sudden, I got get into middle school, and I was like, you know what? I'm done with all that. So I got my braces off, and I got my contacts and everything, and I was looking good. And I was adamant. I was like, I'm going to wear contacts every single day, like, unless I'm just not going to see a soul on earth. Like, I'm going to wear, like, if I'm going out, if I'm going to church, if I'm going to school, whatever, I'm going to wear my contacts. Well, after you do that for so many years... Uh, apparently I was accruing like a film on my eyes while I was doing that. Hmm. And I actually had like a minor eye infection to where I'd walk outside and the bright light would not burn, but it was just, I was really sensitive to it to where like, even on like just an overcast day, I had to wear sunglasses. Like it just, my eyes hurt Yeah, and I'd get headaches and it was miserable. And they were like, well, it's probably because you wore contacts so much and the contacts probably got dirty and you have an eye infection um, and it's slight swelling. So, like, at first they were like, yeah, just wear, wear glasses for a time and all that. And then COVID happened and I was like, all right, I'm cool with just wearing glasses all the time again, like whatever. So now I only wear contacts if I need to wear contacts, like if I'm going to go running or if I'm umpiring or something outside or whatnot. whatnot. Yeah. Because I've had these glasses now for like six years, seven years. Still going. Yeah, still going. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to break them or anything like that. So if I ever get into any kind of physical activity, I try to make sure that I'm gonna have contacts available or something. Yeah. But, yeah, I would wear glasses if I had to. I wear glasses over contacts. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. like contacts. I hated glasses mostly because I got made fun of them for wearing them. And then I wore contacts, and they were great when I was playing baseball and sports and everything. And then I got out of it, and I was like, man, like, these just hurt. <laughs> like, I don't enjoy the fact that I need to get up and stick something in my eye every day. Like, and so I just got went back to wearing glasses. I really just want LASIK in my eyes to be fixed. That would be great. I could not. I don't know. And my brother, my mom. Uh, sounds kind of. It, so I'm, sounds scary, but. Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> I've known if you're willing to do it, I mean, I've known that's like the one. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big wuss when it comes to needles, but yeah, let's shoot a laser into my eye. That'll work. <laughs> it's, it, so it sounds worse to me. <laughs> but hey, man, it's your funeral. That's probably because I've seen like, uh, what is it, Final Destination? Oh god, yeah, thank god. There's a scene with a laser, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I'm good. I thankfully avoided those kinds of movies. I'm not a big, like, suspense guy. So, like, even with the new, like, Doctor Strange movie, it was really, like, suspenseful and just, like... It was playing along the themes of horror. Yeah, it was. It wasn't that scary, but, yeah, they were definitely trying to play it. It wasn't bad, but they were, like... And I'm just, like, feeling super anxious and tense. Like, okay, what's about to happen? Like, what what jump scares? Like, I hate jump scares. I hate all that stuff. I'm just like, okay, what's about to happen? Like... What stupid crap! Like, <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah, I've seen a lot of horror movies. Mm-hmm. A lot there's of even things. a part later on in the movie where like, uh, he's just talking with this. I'm not trying to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it, but he's just talking with somebody, and I'm like, half expecting like someone to just like, because it's real nice and calm, and, like the music's like chill. Just waiting for somebody to just come up and Pop all of a sudden out. like just just stab him like in the back, <laughs> just. <laughs> Just like they didn't know a home, and it's just like, oh, 
Oh god! Oh god! Came out of nowhere. Yeah, he just came out of nowhere and stabbed him. And he just like the music cuts and it's just like, oh, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, is he okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, I had some issues with that movie, but ooh, ooh. Hmm. Here's a topic. Okay. okay, here's a biblical topic that I saw after. Uh oh. <laughs> so you, you, I guess we don't have to talk about the Doctor Strange movie, but people were talking about it. You know, you know, if you're a believer, you shouldn't. You know, you shouldn't go watch the new Doctor Strange because it's demonic, uh, right? Yeah. It, it, one of the things is the witchcraft, which is the the Scarlet Witch, right. which makes sense. I mean, if you watch the trailer, right, yeah, you get what you're going into. But it's like, did you mm-hmm. watch the like magic is mm-hmm. the same as witch? They're both demonic. They're both evil. Mm-hmm. So it's like, where's your line? <clears throat> like, why why is it all of a sudden bad to watch the witchcraft aspect of it? But not the magic part. Yeah, I mean, because because that... in the in the movie, mm-hmm. he uh, d- uh, without spoiling anything, there's a there's a reference to Jesus in there, where he's at a wedding and he turns water into wine. Mm. I don't know right. if you noticed. A lot yeah, of people called that. it out, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, that's magic. That's not even witchcraft. That, that's right. his magic. You don't really care mm-hmm. about that, but the witchcraft aspect. Yeah. And I saw people saying like, you know, you you're not a real believer if you go and watch that. I'm like. Okay, that would be that here. would be, I think like that's that's pharisaical. Like if you grew up like in like witchcraft type stuff, True. stuff, and you know if you go and watch that kind of stuff, it messes with you or whatever. True. It makes sense. Don't watch it. But for people who don't have issues with that, like it doesn't. Well, and the thing do for anything. me, like when it comes to that, I'm like, we're t- we're specifically talking about a comic book universe. Yeah. Like there's no one that's going to watch this and say, oh my gosh, that's real. Like no, like this is clearly fiction based. Like, this is clearly based on comic book series, comic book universe. Like, it's, like, this has absolutely nothing to do with reality. I, like, I feel similar in some cases. For me, I have a problem with movies like The Conjuring and Paranormal Activity and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I have problems with movies like that for that reason. Like, as far as, like, the whole inviting that into your home kind of mindset and everything and I get part I get part of that from my mom as well like apparently my mom like ha- similar to those comments like had some similar suspicions to it but she feels that way even about D&D like, that we play and so but she understands also it's like okay well they see things a little bit differently and such and I'm like, I'm like yeah I could explain it but I mean there's explaining it to a point of actually getting to convince you of something and there's explaining it just to say hey this is where we stand yeah, and so <clears throat> and I, th- I think for some people it applies. So don't don't yeah. get involved if it yeah. if it's a issue. Yeah, my thing with that is again recognizing it's a comic book universe. Like, there's no no one's going to go see Doctor Strange, and anticipating that this is a fi- this this is a nonfiction. This is reality. This is like this actually happened this way. Yeah, like this is clearly based on Stanley's and Steve Ditko's like comic books and everything for from years past yeah and even the issue with that like just saying oh don't go watch this movie because it had like the mm-hmm. the, the <clears throat> doctor strange movie because it has witchcraft and you would also say don't read the bible or you can't read the bible because it has witchcraft so then you run into contradictions yeah it'd I be mean, an issue yeah and i mean and the bible does say like in deuteronomy and such like don't participate in sorcery. Don't participate in witchcraft and stuff like yeah. that. So it's all there, like saying, like, don't participate in this. But the reason, and this is something that I've had to have conversations with people, is 
like they'll say, like with tattoos, for example. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, like don't get tattoos. Like it's of the devil and all that. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you got to understand the reason they're having to say this in this at this time in the Mosaic Law is because oftentimes those are associated with worshipful idolatrous practices in other in in the surrounding cultures. So there's probably some form of Canaanite religion or Babylonian religion that has worship of marking yourself up on your skin or cutting or all these other things. Like those are forms of worship to those gods. And so when God says to Moses through Moses to Israel, "Hey, don't don't cut yourself, don't, don't offer get markings your, don't of like offer, the dead. Yeah, don't yeah. don't do markings, don't offer your kids as sacrifices and stuff like that." He's saying, don't do that because that's what all these other people that worship these other gods do. Not that stuff is inherently like, I would like, I don't do tattoos mostly because I don't do needles. Yeah. Um, my mom doesn't do tattoos because she believes that. Yeah. Though. She has that conviction of don't do that. Uh, but it's, it's just one of those things where you had to recognize, like I have, like I run into that with Paul in the new Testament where, um, He's telling people, he's telling the Corinthians, like, hey, like, yeah, you know, like, the food offered to idols is just, it's not actually offered up to anything because idols aren't real, blah, blah, blah. Uh, But for the sake of the weaker brother, just don't eat the food. Like, don't eat the meat, don't eat that meat that's offered there. Like, just, just don't do it. Like, it's not worth it. Yeah. And so, especially for me that wants to be a pastor and everything, it's like, okay, like, for the sake of the gospel and my ministry of being a pastor, I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. Like, I'm not going to watch the horror movies. I'm not going to watch. Or I'm not going to go get tattoos. I'm not going to do... Because people legitimately look at that and be like, Oh, you're a sickness because you did that. I'm like, no, I love the Lord quite well. And no scripture and all that. Like, I think you're a little off base. But, you know, I hope God will teach you something. And you'll learn something through his gospel. and, And so... Yeah. So I don't have a problem with the Doctor Strange movie. I just don't like suspense. That's the only reason it wasn't why it wasn't one of my favorites. Um, And it was definitely a darker take on some stuff. But I mean, you're talking about Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch and all that. Like the movie ultimately is like as good versus evil. Anyway, it's got a good main Mm -hmm. story. Anyways, and I think one of the themes too with it is. I think it does raise an interesting philosophical question and ethical question for us to ask in dialogue of um, Doctor Strange using an object that has been used for evil and to use it for good. Yeah. And so, like we've said all of our lives, like two wrongs don't make it right. Well, it seems that Doctor Strange does a wrong thing to bring about a right. And so I feel like that... I feel like those themes and stuff like that are stuff that should be dialogued about, not, yeah. oh, well, there's witchcraft, or, oh, there's that. Like, no, let's talk about these different themes, especially in light of heroes and stuff like that. Um, I think I was talking to Brian's dad again in class of the evolution of Superman over time, where way back, like 40, 50 years ago or whatever, like Superman and Lois like, were married but slept in different beds. And then, like, in the 90s, like, they're they're dating and stuff, but they're not married. And all of a sudden, like, in early 2000s, like, Superman knocks up Lois Lane. And that's, like, a big scandal because he's supposed yeah. to be this hero. But he knocks up uh, this human. 
and, ha- and has an illegitimate child with her and all this stuff and everything and like well there was remember there was a comic I don't know if you knew about this there was one comic for Superman where he turned gay I don't know if you ever knew about that I think it was a red kryptonite maybe but it wasn't too long ago but yeah but that was like you've seen like like just in public Hollywood media and stuff and all that you're seeing the evolution of how people view heroes like you have like because with Superman you really do have this a bunch of themes and discussions about him as a messianic messiah Jesus type character like he came from he's not from here but came to earth and lived among us and then after so many years he comes out and uh, showcases his power so that people can he can save people and people can yeah. be under his power is not necessarily the right protection word, but yeah it's protection yeah um so you have this messianic like theme with superman and really like when you look at a lot of hero movies and such like that you're like they're evoking that theme and i think that's something that a lot of people don't like don't talk about that they probably should be talking about is how like when I look at a Batman movie and I see him fighting for justice what does that teach me about a hero or or about Jesus being the great hero of all of human history um, like what am I seeing that culture is identifying as a hero versus the true hero what are similar and what are different and such like that I think that's something that if we could hopefully think critically about, we could glean a lot of conversations from that as well, is just looking at how, and we've done this throughout all of human history. I mean, look at the Greek myths of Hercules and Prometheus and all them, that of all these different myths surrounding these heroes, um, oftentimes end in some sort of tragedy, yet on the other side of things come out on top. Or something like it's interesting how the more I read scripture and the more I look through history how even in popular culture uh, elements of God's truth are coming to be and coming to be reality and realized um, like we're not gonna like popular culture won't say oh well Jesus is our framework in which we're gonna build our heroes around but they take the ideas of what they think a hero is and build their framework based on that. And all of a sudden you put it next to a Jesus and a lot of things look very similar. Yeah. And so. I mean, yeah. even a lot of religions now take, or I guess not now because they're before my time, but they all include like Jesus, mm-hmm. although they view him differently and put him <clears throat> in different categories. All, although, but they all use Jesus because they, they, mm-hmm. they believe the story is maybe they won't, won't say exactly true but they they agree with it yeah it's, it's good yeah i think the one that's the most interesting because it's one thing when you look at like uh polytheistic or henotheistic religions that have a, a plurality of gods um because yeah for them it's just okay we can add jesus to the list sure uh but what's interesting for me is uh discussions of islam where they'll say oh well yeah jesus was a prophet he was another prophet, um, but Muhammad is the true prophet. And I'm just, and they'll even say like, oh yeah, like Jesus didn't die. Like he, before he was nailed to the cross and all that, he was 
like God pulled a switcheroo and put someone else, whether it was Judas or whoever, put someone else on the cross yeah. in his place and Jesus ascended and stuff like that and then came back down and walked 40 days, whatever, and all that so that Jesus never truly died because God doesn't die or whatever or God's prophet, God's anointed doesn't die and so it's interesting when they'll do that and <laughs> I find it really interesting when people will be like, oh yeah, like Muslims, Christians, and Jews all believe in the same God and I'm like... Well, I can understand the Jews, but they don't see Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, I have to disagree with you on the Muslims, because, quite frankly, if, if you're going to say they believe in the same God, yeah, they believe in a monotheist. Well, even some people will say Muslims are, like, Christian, or yeah. within the category. Yeah, and it's interesting to me, because it's like, well, they straight up, they, the Islam, Muslims say this about Jesus, that he didn't die, and that he was replaced, and, and he's just a prophet where Christians all throughout Christian history have said, no, it is essential that Jesus died and then rose from the dead and then ascended into heaven and one day will return. Like, it is essential. And they're saying he is God. So to say that they're the same is like, okay, well, you're take, we're, like Christians say this and, is, and Islam says this. It's not the same, but yet you're saying they're both true. That's a logical contradiction. You can't do that. Yeah. Only one of them is true. The other is a lie. And that's just that's just simple logic. Like we do that with everything. If I look at some book or whatever or anything, and I like if I'm or a street light or a stop sign, that's universal, I guess. Uh, and I say, okay, the stop sign is red. And then someone over here says, no, the stop sign's blue. Well, only one of us is right. We're making claim. We're both making a truth claim about this stop sign. Yeah. But only one of us can be true. So, and this gets into conversations of relative truth and stuff like that, um, where it's like, no, we're, like, we're making, we're both making absolute truth claims, saying that is red or him saying that is blue. One of us is right. We can't both be right. Obviously, stuff like that gets kind of less black and white when you get into um, a variety of perspectives and... Um, talk about something versus of um, pro I guess ethical is probably the word I want to use but I'm not sure if that's the one I want to use um, because people were talking about uh, like moral relativism where like oh, for these people over here it's like okay well this is right and that's wrong and then over here these people say well this is wrong and that's right and uh, like the, the example I used when I took ethics and philosophy of religion uh, at Texas Tech when I did that um, a lot of people tried to talk about little things like okay well what about lies like is a white lie bad or can it be good and stuff like that and I said so long as y'all stay in the middle ground and small things you're gonna not be able to come to a distinction and really define it so I said, let's go to the extreme. Let's talk about sex trafficking. Let's talk about prostitution. Is there a way that, in any way, is there a way that this is good? Everyone says no. Like, no, it's not. Is there anybody that looks at murder and says murder is good? No, it's wrong. So if we're going to say, black and white, that these two things, across the whole world are wrong 
though they may be accepted yeah and they participated in like thailand has some of the most rampant prostitution in the world like second to like amsterdam uh like they look and they all know as a people hey this is wrong we do it for these these other reasons like women will submit themselves into it for the sake of financial provision because they're the financial providers of the family not the men the men are the spiritual providers in that culture and so they'll submit some, themselves to that and then through the financial provision um, they'll give money to the temples and stuff like that in order to try and balance their karma and stuff like that um, and the rich get away with everything because they can give enough money to the temples to basically wipe their slate clean yeah um and so they can do all this stuff they know is wrong. And so a lot of people will look and say, well, all these cultures, like, they're so different. Like, then moral morality must be relative. And they focus on the differences to where someone like C.S. Lewis years ago um, instead looks and says, we need to stop looking at the differences. Look at the similarities. Like, we look at the Hammurabi Code of the, Babylon- of the Babylonians and they'll be like, oh, we'll see how these are different. Like, that shows that it's relative to culture. But they don't say, hey, look at the similarities between these cultures. To recognize there is an a element of truth that is riding through the whole thing. And then cultures kind of shows a outlier uh, value of error kind of deal. And you see that by and large throughout most cultures, like slavery wrong do the people do people in other cultures do it yeah but they're not commended for it (laughs) yeah like prostitution wrong are they commended for it no but does it happen yes and so like we look and we can see through that uh, as a truth claim and as a an ethical morality claim yeah like this is wrong and this is right and so and oftentimes when it comes to ethics, especially in America, that conversation always comes back to abortion. Like, is it wrong? Is it right? Is it a life? Is it the, is it the female's choice? Um, and that's why I appreciate Dr. Kramer from Criswell College and a member in our church. Uh, on his podcast, he dialogues a lot in through those conversations, talking about ethics, talking about logic and stuff like that to show that even though... Uh, Republicans and Democrats, conservatives, liberal, whatever distinctions you want to make between the right and the left, they're both making claims about this topic of abortion. They're both appealing to what what Shawn Michael and I call the American ethic in order to try and justify their position based on abortion. And so, like, both the right and the left agree, yeah, people should have the right to choose what to do with their body. Like, there's no denying that. Like, that's why, like, the liberals will use that for abortion, for, for women's choice, and then the, the right use that for the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. Yeah. Like, they're looking at that and saying, yeah, no, it's my body, my choice. Like, you can't force me to inject something into my body that I don't want. Just like they're saying, well, you can't force me to carry this child that, or whatever. And so, they're appealing to very similar ethics. They're just coming to different positions based on it, and they're arguing different stuff. And so, Sean Michael and I basically came up with a... uh, What's the word I'm using? Method 
to attempt to delineate yet also try not to it's obviously not perfect because we're imperfect people that came up with it uh, and I wouldn't even necessarily say we came up with it more just recognized it um, but it comes about the uh, three inalienable rights life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness the, that is supremely basically the American ethic we have the right to live we have the right to our freedom and then we have the right to pursue our happiness but then we have laws that say okay well you can't do this and so we'll have laws that say, okay, you can't go and take these drugs. Well, I'm pursuing happiness. Yeah, but you're putting your life in jeopardy. So we can't, we need to infringe on your liberty and your pursuit of happiness because we know it's not going to make you happy and it's going to put your life in danger. So we can't allow that. And working through that ethic, so when it comes to abortion, or that method, when it comes to abortion, the whole argument hangs on the hangs on that view of what's in that woman's body. Is it a life or is it just a bundle, a bundle of cells that has, that has no right to be there? If it's just a bundle of cells and it's not a life, then okay. Well, the life's not in danger. There's no life in danger and they have the Liberty and the pursuit of happiness is their convenience. Therefore go with abortion. To where the right, the right wing will say, no, that is a life. Therefore, because it's a life, you're fr well, we are going to infringe on your freedom in or, and your pursuit of convenience and happiness for the sake of that life. And so that's where a lot of these arguments and stuff come from is recognizing, hey, we have the same ethics. We're just approaching it because we're identifying things differently. And it's through recognition of how these are different is how we can have conversation again with people. Uh, and same with the religion, it's like, yeah, like Christians say this, Muslims say this. Well, they seem to be making truth claims that are contradicting each other. Therefore, one is right, the other must be wrong. And it takes logic and reason and experience and all that stuff to say, which is right, which is wrong. Yeah. There were a lot out there. <laughs> no, yeah. I think that's why it's good to, to get out there and to have loving and respectful <clears throat> conversations with people. Mm -hmm. You know, we're supposed to go out there and spread the gospel. Because so we see, like, what is it? It's like you have Mormon missionaries who go door-to-door, -door -door, and then mm -hmm. I think it's Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm -hmm. They also go door-to-door. -to -door. Yep. But they're not teaching the same gospel. Nope. That Christians teach, mm -mm. so then we also got to be combating that, mm -hmm. but still doing it respectfully and lovingly. Yeah, and I'm and I honestly, I've this is something I've said for years. I am jealous of the ambition that Jehovah's Witness and Mormons have when it comes to their missionary work and such, because they are so driven to yeah. go and say, "Hey, you need to hear this message." I just, and the fact that us Christians have the truth and we don't have that same ambition for years has bothered me because these ones that do have ambition are the ones that are spreading this, uh, these untruths, these fault, these falsities. And it's really unfortunate because people are hearing these things and they're formulating opinions and 
unfortunately, they're not hearing the actual truth. And that's what's unfortunate about the whole situation. Yeah, I, I mean, even looking like comparing Mormons, like Christians, you know, Mormons believe in a works-based salvation. Mm-hmm. That seems to be one of the drive, or one of the reasons they have a drive to go out, you know, and teach. Because mm-hmm. they, they're trying to produce these works so they can get what they're seeking. But I think a lot of people take, like, when you look at Christians, they take the whole faith alone and they twist <clears throat> what it means into something else. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you say, oh, like, I think there's a lot of Christians out there who are like, oh, I, I'm saved by grace through faith, so that I can just kind of, you know, try not to sin, but kind of mm. slide by. Yeah. Whereas you're supposed to be, become a disciple. <coughs> you're being sanctified. Right. You're supposed to be learning. You're supposed to be able to, uh, what is it, uh, testify, mm-hmm. you know, in, in any scenario. Yeah, give a testimony. So you're supposed to consistently be learning and also challenging things, all the other religions, all the other things against Christ, and see how you discuss those, how they make sense logically. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think a lot of people would do. I don't think a lot of Christians are really trying to do that. Yeah, I think it's got it's gone downhill yeah. for a while. I think one thing I've noticed, and I, it was one thing I noticed it in the Christian. It's funny the amount of things I've noticed in the Christian world first, and then culture follows. Um, in the Christian world in particular, I've noticed a large pulling away from of responsibility, um, whether it's because of grace through faith or trying to not be so gung-ho about works-based salvation and such. They pull their responsibility off to try and relax themselves. Like, okay, yeah, God's got me. I just trust in him and therefore I can relieve myself of this sense of responsibility. And uh, I personally have a problem with that, uh, just because that lax mindset is often what gets people hurt. Um, example being my own family uh, and many people that have been hurt by the church. I mean, this uh, this kind of laxness towards responsibility is why. Uh, this report has to come out from the SBC about these hundreds and hundreds of yeah. sexual assault cases. And uh, for for many uh, leaders to say, oh, well, for the sake of the gospel, we should like put this under the rug and just hush this. I'm like, no, take responsibility for your actions. Oh, yeah. Like, you should absolutely take responsibility for your actions. Um, hey, Bob, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> he has returned. He has returned. Um, oh, I mean, even even with the whole that's going that's going on for years, the whole sexual assault and yeah in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've noticed something, especially like since COVID, um, just throughout the culture itself, we've uh, we've punted responsibility, like we've really just shrugged it off, and oh well, someone else will take care of it. Whether it's uh, young people's attitude towards student loans or attitudes towards working jobs or whatever the case may be like uh i'm an i'm a little league umpire as well and so i deal with a lot of young kids and their parents and my job is to be the authority on that baseball field and execute the rules as they are deemed and the amount of times this year in particular i have uh had some coaches argue like, hey, aren't they supposed to be doing this, this, or that? I'm like, dude, they're five and six years old. Like, the kid doesn't even know where he's at right now. 
Yeah. Like, he doesn't even know he's on a baseball field. <laughs> like, he's looking up at this guy, twirling, shoving his finger in his nose. Like, he, like, believe me, unless you hit the kid with the baseball off the bat, he's not going to make a play. Yeah. The fact that he's two feet on the dirt does not matter. Or that he's a little bit closer. Like, it doesn't matter. He's not paying attention. Like, focus on your own kids. Or just having, like, I've had a bunch of coaches this year, like, arguing calls. And I'm like, first off, you you don't see anything. And yet you're arguing with me who has seen these things. Why are you, like, don't you, do you not recognize that I'm the authority on this field? Yeah. Yeah, I'm 24 years old and you might be in your 30s. But as far as it goes on this field, I'm the authority. And your arguing just makes you look like a toddler. Like, you're embarrassing yourself in front of all of these parents. Like, I don't understand why you're... And it's... This year in particular has been really bad. And a lot of people have just, like, shoved off, like, responsibility. And so, like, me and some of these other umpires... These uh, veteran umpires have just said, like, you need to coach better. Like, the reason you're losing is not because I'm making calls. It's because you're not coaching well. You need to coach better. Yeah. Like, they're just... Like, everyone's punting responsibility. And... uh, I get like with working jobs. Like, I was very surprised at the amount of like service jobs that aren't being worked by like high school students. Like, that was like for me, like, so for us that are in our early 20s, like a thousand dollars, like, that doesn't really do much for us in a month. Yeah. But for a 16, 17 year old that has so much like, doesn't have the responsibilities of like bills and stuff yeah. like that to where their parents take care of all that stuff. Like, why aren't they going to work at Chili's or whatever yeah. and making a thousand dollars? Just saving it, saving it, saving it, putting it towards college fund or whatever. And like, it was interesting. Like, I've had conversations with adults about it. Like, I was like, yeah, like this helps society as a whole as well. Like, you're like. The whole deal for us young people is like, oh, well, we want like, we don't feel value unless we're contributing to society. Yet with these kids that are like eight years younger than us, they don't have that same ethic, yeah. that same ambition to contribute to society. As far as they're concerned, society sucks. So why do they want to contribute to it? Yeah. And so, so they don't feel responsible to try and, but yet now we're. Like, I went to Cane's last night. Me and Sean Mike went to Cane's. And a meal that used to cost 12 bucks now cost 15 Yeah. Like, just in the last, like, year or so. Like, that price went up. Yeah. And now all of us are suffering. And we're trying to place the blame on other people. Whether it's political leaders like Biden or just... Or putting it like, hey, like, you kids are supposed to be working or this or that, like submit to the authorities and whatever and learn some stuff. But we're all so busy playing the blame game, just like Adam and Eve, that we're not taking responsibility for anything. Yeah. And ultimately that's going to be what tears down this whole country is everyone's obstinance towards responsibility. I mean, even with like when COVID hit, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs and then you had payments coming in monthly. And then when things kind of opened up, people kind of, didn't go back yeah. not that not, not i mean a lot of people did go back but some people didn't mm-hmm. so then that that was one of the opening things for like 
responsibility is going back to work to provide for your family or mm-hmm. unless you're alone, you know, whatever it may be. And now we're uh, like our newer generations, <laughs> people in their teens now, mm-hmm. or even children are, are not, like, you're not really responsible for those things. It's what you want. Mm-hmm. So then that responsibility is not on you. It's applied to the next person. Yeah. Because I'm not saying your pronouns or mm-hmm. X, Y, or Z, whatever it may be. Like you said, Adam and Eve were just shifting mm-hmm. to somebody else because it can't be my fault. Yeah. There was something, there was a conversation I had with my mom recently who works for a PNC, uh, Pittsburgh National uh, Bank, um, that for whatever reason, like, I was, I was just walking by, I was like, hey, like, how's work going? She's like, it's terrible. Like, all of us are extremely, are being extremely overworked and we can't hire anybody and i'm like why can't y'all hire anybody like like you just bought out all these banks from bbva compass like you should like you clearly have the money like have money like why can't y'all hire anybody and they're like because we're not paying enough for anybody that'll want to come work for us and i'm like wow all right so now we're even getting into career jobs yeah people are saying well we don't pay enough like, it's one thing when you look at, like, the waiter, and it's like, oh, okay, well, they don't pay enough to live. Well, no, duh, they're a waiter. Like, a waiter's not supposed to work so much to live off of that. Like, that's not what we do. That's why 16, 17-year-olds should be working those jobs, not people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever. Like, if you're in your 20s and onward, like, unless you're still in school... And you can't go get a career just because your school doesn't allow that because of scheduling and everything. You should be getting a career. I mean, getting a job that pays 50, 60, 70 K in a year. And you should have been, even if you weren't getting your education um, and you just started working out of high school. Like when you're 18, 19, like you should be striving to find work to where by the time you're hopefully 24, 25, you are with at least if not there at least within reason close enough to say okay i could stop what i'm doing and go get a career and contribute to the society that i'm in and make money and pay my bills and have, and take responsibility like i was even watching a it was like a, a clip from a jordan peterson uh talking about when uh men start to take responsibility for themselves like whenever they hit like 24 25 26 about when their brain fully develops uh, they've noticed that men, that men at that time will stop living uh, or at least slow down living more recklessly, rambunctiously, like party yeah. life. And they start to, quote unquote, settle down and they'll start getting married, having kids and stuff like that at about that time. Um, and tying that to brain development and stuff like that. Um, and so that was very interesting to see how we're saying, okay, that's when quote unquote kid men grow up and start taking responsibility. And yet we've been forcing them at the age of 18 to have their entire life figured out when they're trying to go and live life and enjoy it and stuff like that. It's not even until their brains nearly fully developed or is fully developed where they finally actually, at least statistically start settling down and living in such a way. Um, and I'm not sure what else to say about that regarding that comment, but oh yeah, I mean even in my early 20s, I was for like the beginning of my 20s, I was just like wasn't partying, but I was definitely just drinking mm-hmm. consistently. 
while in school and I just didn't care and then I kind of stopped and got out of it so I think yeah it depends on the crowd you're around but yeah a lot of people get sucked into the the, like drugs and partings and Mm -hmm. being around those groups and then as you get older I guess not everybody but typically as you get older you recognize I need to probably step back from this person or these groups or whatever Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's like when before where our brains are fully developed, we have, and I think this is something that unfortunately the church is again punted responsibility on. Um, in those early 20s, this, in those years, um, I've learned and I've realized I've needed to have like, responsibility, but I have a uh, ambition to try and help young people with the understanding of building friendships and relationships looks differently when you leave high school. Yeah. Um, even when you go off to college, it's a little, it's still kind of easy, but you it start to get a little bit harder. Um, but then once you finish college, you're out on your own. And uh, by and large, young people, whether they're kids, teenagers, or young adults, are terrible, by and large, at learning how to actually make a genuine friendship with somebody that they know nothing about. Yeah. Like they're terrible at it. When they're young, it's easy because they're thrown into, especially if you're in public school, you're thrown into groups of minimum 30 upwards to hundreds of new people, new faces, and you find out which ones you like and have similarities with. Like for me, it was sports and Christ for others it was football for others it was band or whatever like you find your people that are like you and you latch onto them and that's who you ride with for the next several years until you move on to the next chapter of your life and then we do the same thing when we go to college and so you have these people that go to big time universities and they again they're looking at these thousands of people that are around them and they say okay who's like me and they form relationships with those people and such. And then they finish college and they're going, whether they're going back home or going this new place or whatever. And now they're like, now they're trying to say, okay, who looks, who's like me? But yet they have no skill on how to actually get to know people to know who is like them. Yeah. That who has similarities with them or just how to formulate a relationship with somebody that is not like them. Um, like, so that's something I think the church, um, like Bill Bill and Craig have taught me this, of accepting the fact of, hey, like, the similarity we have is Christ. And so we can be best friends, even though we're 20, 30 years apart in age. Um, or we can form relationships with people that are younger than us. Like, I had a real struggle when I moved back from college to formulate relationships, friendships specifically, I had more discipleship relationships than I had actual friendships. Yeah. And so anybody that was older than me was my mentor, and anybody younger than me was somebody I was mentoring. Um, and those aren't typically people that you would qualify as friend. Yeah. Typically, it's like okay, my friends are the guys that are like the same age as me. Like we like we're on the same page. Um, but for me to look at somebody who, at the time when I was 21, 
to look at an 18 year old and say, hey, you're my friend rather than somebody I'm just trying to teach and disciple or looking at somebody that was 35 and say, hey, you're my friend, not just somebody that's mentoring me, but that we actually have a friendship or looking at somebody that's in their 60s and 70s and say, hey, you're my friend, not just someone that has been there for me as a child and such like that. Like you are my friend and I'm here for you as well. And we don't know how to, we haven't really appropriately been taught how to accept that. Like we grow up and like we think it's like, okay, well, you're not friends with your parents and you're not friends with your friend's parents and you're not friends with your teachers. And so they're, they're the adults. You're not friends with them. They're your authorities. Yeah. But yet when we get into the church and all that stuff, like, yeah, there's people that have authority over us, but yet they're still our friends. Like Noah technically has authority over me, even though I'm older than him, but yet we're still friends. Yeah. Bill has authority over me, yet we're still friends. And being willing to accept that and not just say, oh, well, they have authority or I have authority over them or something. Therefore, we can't be friends. We can't have that kind of relationship because authority is involved of some kind or wisdom's involved. Like I have a greater wisdom. I have a greater knowledge. Like that's just being arrogant. Really. Yeah. Say, so like, oh, well... I'm, I'm, our relationship is built around me teaching you. And whenever we do stuff like that, A, it assumes that you have some sort of pride, or not assumes, it says you have some sort of pride that you need to work on. And you're teaching that person by, by saying something like that and showing something like that, that they're almost less than you, which that is utter garbage yeah like we should not be in any situation to say oh because you don't know like you're less than like no there's plenty of other things they probably know about that you know absolutely nothing about and they can still be your friends like and that and that's helped me too with I've been working as an umpire and I'm having these new kids that are getting into umpiring they're like 14 15 years old and I can look at them and, and I can teach them things, but also I can just be a genuine friend to them and say, like, hey, like, how's this going? Like, and have those kinds of friendships with them to where they're not looking at me saying, oh, well, he's this guy that's over there and like we can't connect with him. But actually, they can feel some kind of connection going on there. And it's when we formulate those connections that real genuine discipleship can happen because there's real trust there. And when you feel that sense of responsibility to say okay like God's called me to disciple young people and such like that or disciple older people as well and you learn to formulate relationships that's where discipleship can happen and so when you have these different times of okay well I'm going to go over here and I'm going to meet these new people and all that and then I'm going to teach the gospel right now that can work but more than likely like Bill's taught us and other things Maybe what they need is for you to actually re- recognize them as a person and welcome them into your home and feed them. And then you can then present the gospel to them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, young people, young people are struggling to make friends, especially because of COVID that separated everybody. And a lot of people struggle with isolation. Yeah. Like when I was in college, I, like when I moved off campus... It amazed me the amount of people I was around and felt like I had a relationship with 
yet still felt like I was isolated from. I mean, I was probably talking and ministering to and teaching and leading or being led by hundreds of people. Yet, I could still go home and just be like, man, I'm alone. And that's a weird feeling to say, oh, well, I have all... And then for people after college to go home or go elsewhere and just be like, huh, I don't really have anybody. Well, I need to, I guess I need to go check out how my old friends are doing to see if they're still willing to be my friend. And some of them are. Yeah. But a lot of them are probably moved on and all that, and you have no idea how to formulate new friendships. So you're going to go to the bar and try and see if you meet new people, and maybe someone is kind enough to actually allow you to experience a little bit of their life in order to build a friendship. Uh, but by and large, that doesn't really happen. Yeah, and I mean, they just feel they just start spiraling, and they don't know what they're doing, and they're in this lifestyle of just I'm going out, I'm trying to figure things out, and everything, and finally their brain develops at like 24, 25, 26, and they're like, okay, well now I'm settling down. Okay, let's talk about getting married and having kids, and then now they have this unhealthy view of marriage and kids of well I need to have a wife just so I'm not alone and I need to have kids so that they'll be my ambition and they can do all the things that I didn't do or whatever Yeah. Um, and that's what we're seeing really in America is a lot of that going on that's why like that's why it's not the kids that are arguing with me it's oftentimes the dads that are arguing with me because they want their kids to be successful and all that I'm like dude the way for your kid to be successful is not through arguing with me. It's through teaching him and coaching him. Like, but yet, we don't want the responsibility. We punt it to the other people and say, it's your fault. We look at the, and this is something that's, I'm a big public school advocate. I know plenty of people that aren't, and they have good reason to not be, but I still am. But a lot of those people will punt the responsibility saying, look what these public school institutions are doing to our kids. And I'm like, aren't you mom or dad? Don't you have responsibility for raising your kids? Yeah. Like, did you just forget about that? I mean, yeah, I I grew up, not my entire life, but I spent a lot of years in public school. And even, like, where I went to high school and where I ended up graduating, you know, I would would be considered the only, if not, maybe there was one other person, like, Christian. Mm -hmm. In the school, a lot of people were LGBT. Sure. Uh, active or whatever and I, I never had issues with them I, I mean I didn't agree with it sure. but I didn't actively go out to start fights mm-hmm. but I, I definitely created bonds with people mm. through those situations and I got to understand more of like their perspective because mm-hmm. clearly I don't have a perspective on it technically because yeah, sure. I don't have it yeah. I haven't experienced it yeah and it takes wisdom to learn from other people's experiences yeah. and I got to sit down and have conversation with a few people mm. other people didn't want to but sure so and then I would run into people who didn't like what I believed sure so they were not fans but no I, th- I think a part of that of like creating bonds and friendships mm-hmm. is um, I think a lot of people have become I don't want to say shy maybe it's shy but like sometimes you gotta throw yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you gotta be the person to, I guess, sit down and start a conversation with mm-hmm. Bob over there, whatever it may be. 
and you can really and and especially when you're in Christ, you know, like when you're in church, you understand that at least out of everything else, you both have a bond to Christ, if mm-hmm. not anything else. Right. Like, so you may have a veteran over here, and you're like a video game nerd, mm-hmm. but you both have a bond to Christ. So that's mm-hmm. that's an initiative conversation to bring up. Mm-hmm. You know, you start talking about that, and I've I've learned a lot. Because, you know, I've been jumping through groups, mm-hmm. and I've been hanging out with a lot of the uh, older folks, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I think I've, I consider them friends. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, uh, I don't know, there's a, guy, a buddy named Jack, mm-hmm. and he's in, like, his 60s, but he's a great guy. So, I consider him a great friend, but I, I would also see them as mentors, technically, mm-hmm. just because they're, they're older than me. Right. So, they have a lot more wisdom that I mm-hmm. can learn from. But they, they have said to me that I've showed or taught them new things because mm-hmm. they have taught about things that I have recently studied so I could bring it up. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, which, you know, I don't know about that. But, but no, I, I, even with people younger than me, like I think of like, you know, Nathan, mm-hmm. real tall Nathan. Yeah. He's 19, 20. Mm-hmm. No, he's like five years younger than me. And like one of the only connections I have to him is Christ because he's all about guns. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, just don't care about guns too much i'm not a big right i'm mm-hmm. not interested in it yeah so it's not something i learned or planes but but we definitely we have a bond through christ just mm-hmm. like me and you so i think that's where we start <coughs> and, and you know when you get older when you hit that 24 25 whatever mark and you haven't done it i think you got to get to a point where you just got to throw yourself out there mm-hmm. and eventually some will stick and you create bonds, and then you create friendships, and they grow. And then you learn from those experiences on how to continue mm-hmm. that and go elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have, um, whether it's because they're introverted or social anxiety kind of deal, uh, a lot of people won't do that. And it really takes a lot to get them. Like, people have told me for years, like, oh, like, you're so extroverted and this and that. I'm like, I am not extroverted at all. I've had to learn to do all this stuff. Like, you can ask Craig and anybody else. I was one of the quietest, most shy, anxious people ever. Like, I remember, like, I can vividly remember, like, when I was in sixth grade and I was at gym, I was in gymnastics at middle school, and two cheerleaders, like, sat behind me and they were just all giggly over trying to, like, be my friend and stuff like that. And I was just terrified. And I had this weird little wave that was like a three-finger wave like this that, and unfortunately all of you on the podcast can't see that, but just bring little, it back. Yeah, this little <laughs> wave that I would do. And it got to the point where even like one time I didn't do it like that, like I actually used all five fingers and I'm like, hey, that's not how you, how you do it. Like what? Like what? Like do the thing. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, all right. Like I was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> sorry, guys. But I had to learn to formulate friendships and put myself out there. Um, And really, uh, one of the greatest ways I learned to do that was my uh, former youth pastor. He's now the uh, family pastor at another church. Uh, He was kidsman pastor at the time, but I interned for him for a summer. And it is really easy to bust somebody out of their shell when you stick them in front of 300 plus kids on a stage at preteen camp and make them do something absolutely silly. And so I remember when I was 18 years old, I dressed up as Darth Vader and did a dance off 
against uh, a professional dancer dressed as a stormtrooper. Like they're a professional dancer, and I did a <laughs> dance off against them, and it was this was back when like the Whip and Nene were popular. Like it was terrible, and it's and it's videoed. It's still on Facebook somewhere. <laughs> like it's out there on Facebook, and it's when you do that, and at the beginning of that week. Um, I got asked in front of like 300 plus kids, like, hey, are you dating anyone? Like on stage, I got asked that. And I had to say, I was like, no, I'm not. And then all, like a hundred kids like started looking to all their like female like leaders. Like, hey, hey, like, what about her? What about her? Like do this. And I was just like, oh, we got God. the perfect one for you. Oh, I was just like, oh, you know, oh no. Oh gosh. Like, why well, did me? I was like, I was like, Kyle, I love you. Why'd you do this to me? Like, why? But, and that was one of those things where it's like, that part of doing that busted me out of my shell to feel more comfortable. Like, like embarrassment is a terrible emotion to feel, but once you get beyond feeling embarrassed about some things, you really do feel more comfortable sharing and getting to know people and putting yourself out there. Um, Because I think embarrassment's a powerful emotion that keeps us from doing that. Yeah. And so one thing I did also after that was when I got to college, I was serving at a college ministry that needed greeters. And so it was it became my unpaid volunteer job to greet and say hi and welcome to hundreds of college students of of hundreds of people. Like we had like a thousand plus people showing up to this event that we were having, this these things. And it was my job to say hi to as many of them every single week. And as I did that more and more, I got more comfortable of throwing myself out at people that I had no idea and asking like, hey, like how are you doing? Like and different stuff like that. And a lot of people don't get that exposure and get that experience in order to bust them out of the show. So they get supremely anxious when uh, you mentioned like, hey, like go talk to that person. They're like, what? No, I, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, and some, and I've also the other thing I learned when it comes to building friendships is you have to take the initiative because you can't guarantee that they will. Uh, when COVID hit, there was about six weeks we were doing Zoom, uh, small group, and uh, there was about six weeks where I said, you know what, I'm gonna test something out, and I stopped showing up on the Zoom. Waiting to see who would step up to be my friend and reach out to me. And I had Craig and Tara Titsworth and Bill Watson. And that was it. <laughs> that reached out to me in those in, in within those six weeks. Yeah. And I was incredibly frustrated. I was angry. And quite frankly, just disappointed that we talk about loving people and being there for people and but all that. Actually, and then I disappeared yeah. for six weeks and heard not a word. Like I don't know if these people even knew I was th- if I was gone, if they even recognized that I was gone. Like I don't know what was up with that, or if they just said, "Ah, oh, well, he left." Like whatever. Like, and that goes back to the responsibility to where, as a Christian, I feel a responsibility towards whoever's in my group to make sure, like, "Hey, are you doing okay? Have you like, how are you doing with this and that and stuff like that?" And reaching out to all these different people to make sure. Hey, you are a part of this thing. Like you are included in this group. You are a part of us. Like you're not on, you're not alone. You're not off. Like you're a part of us. 
come join us. Don't leave us. Like, yeah. come. Like, we want you here. Uh, partially because of that experience where I had three adults. And I actually said, why are, why are the adults reaching out to me, not my peers? And that's when I had to have a, I actually like went over to Craig's house like a, like two days later and like cried and hugged him because I was like, like I realized how crappy I was being to him by saying that, I, like not recognizing him as a friend. Yeah. Um, and that was where I learned that, where I could have friends with those that were older than me. But also recognizing that if people, if I wanted people to notice me and people to have those emotions and stuff and that relationship with me, I needed to put myself out in front of them. And the amount of times I've had conversations with people, funny enough, both of my exes uh, that I've had in the last couple of years, um, had this conversation with both of them who were like, I just feel like no one cares about me or I just feel like I'm on like on the outside and I'm like, well, have you put yourself on the top five of their most texted list? No? Well, try that. <laughs> like, yeah. put yourself in front of their face. Like, because the thing is, especially as young people, as we've, as I'm hoping all of y'all understand, as we've talked about this so much, young people have a lot of stuff going on. So unless you put them, put yourself in front of their face, they're probably not going to think about you. Yeah. Like, and it's not because they're selfish or whatever. It's just, we have so much that we're doing that until we say, Hey, how are, like, stop, how are you doing? No one's going to stop. Like they're going to keep going and going and going until everything settles down into place and they can just take a breath and say, okay, we're there. And people, people just don't haven't learned how to do that really by and large even i i need to get better at that i've seen i've seen you done that even for me a few times Mm -hmm. you know you you talked to me we went out hung out i've seen that from you so i think it's great that not only you expect other other brothers and sisters christ to be loving but Mm -hmm. to also give the love as Mm -hmm. well and i mean something from that i've I've tried to do that as well you know try and reach out to certain people that i just i never talked to like Mm -hmm. even in the group i don't talk to them but i'm like Mm -hmm. It, nobody's. I don't I haven't seen anything from them. I'll just message them in private, see what yeah. what's up. So I think that's a a great thing to do. And like even like you were mentioning, you know, a lot of things are happening in young people's lives. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I guess I'm in my mid twenties. So yeah. some people consider me young, some don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But like even when I when I go through like a really bad time, like I'll have a week where it just it's really bad. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll just I'll disconnect. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not gonna text anybody. You know, I'm not talking to anybody. Yeah. And I'm just going to focus on this. And then when things calm down, then we'll get back in the groove. Uh, I try to get out of that, but that's something I definitely need to still work on. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and that's one of those things where um, I've noticed in the group, like it really did kind of start with me doing that. And like Craig, it started with us doing that a lot. And then it slowly, like as more and more people have joined and stuff like that, and I've taught people about this and said, like, believe, like, just trust me, it works. And by and large, the group feels much more connected. They feel much more like it's not, there's not, it's not clicky. It's not like, oh, well, there's, there's these guys and then there's these people and then there's this people. It's by and large, like, no, like, we all, like, we all feel intertwined, like, as we're, we're connected. Like, it's not like, oh, well, there's the Criswell group and there's the Baylor nursing students and then there's this. It's no, we're just this we're just this cool and tight knit group that all loves and genuinely cares about each other, even though we're not all doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And part of that is 
Like, and the thing is too, <clears throat> I try, I fail often, but I try. Um, whenever I do teach about these things, like, hey, like, do this, do this, I show them, like, hey, here are the, here are the results of this happening. And I show them, like, hey, like, when, this, when you do this, these are the kinds of things that happen. Um, to show them, like, I'm not just telling you to do this because it needs to be done. I'm telling you to do this, A, because it needs to be done, and B, because I also do it. Yeah. Like, I'm, do, I'm not a hypocrite when I say, hey, do this. Like, this is something I firmly believe in, and I think if you believe in this as well and trust this as well, it will greatly benefit you. Um, I, had a lo- I had a long history, uh, especially with my mother, of uh, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. And I quite thoroughly hated that, and I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that way. Uh, even when I was discipling people and stuff in college and even now, um, like when it came to stuff, it's like, no, like I'm like if I'm struggling with that, like I'm gonna say, hey, like I struggle with this too. Let's work on this. Um, but I'm only gonna tell you like straight up, it's like, hey, you shouldn't be doing this, and like, because I can, I can, I can go through and look at the book and look at the Bible and say like, hey, like this says we're not supposed to do this, like, like stop doing that. But it like it's really humiliating, and I've experienced this. It's really humiliating when you do something like that. And they're like, yeah, but didn't you just do that last week? And it's like, well, crap, you're right. Yeah, like, yeah, I did just do Yeah, but it. also... It, and it's a terrible response, but it's still true. Yeah, but, we, I mean, we're not perfect. I mean, we still sin. No, for sure. So we all still fumble, mm-hmm. we all still fall, and have to get picked back up. No, for sure. So... Yeah. it was. It's an inappropriate response from him, but it doesn't make it less the truth. Yeah, it was a true response, and it's that kind of hypocrisy that kind of has the church where it is today, where Catholics are made fun of for being child molesters in the confessional, and now Baptists are going to get made fun of for the hundreds and if not thousands of molesters and rapists and assaulters and yeah. all that, like because they said like, oh, like do as I do, like do as I say, and yet they're but you saw yeah, men of even even as a like a pastor, let's mm-hmm. say like whoever it may be, wherever they are, mm-hmm. you should be practicing what you preach. Absolutely. So it, like if you're not do like if you're teaching a sermon, and you don't even believe it, but yet you expect everybody else to believe it, they shouldn't believe it. Why would they believe it if you mm-hmm. don't? Yeah. Also, why would you know you shouldn't? Uh, this, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming you'll agree with me on this, but I don't think anybody should be a pastor, or at least not in the moment they have stuff like that like sexual assault and all that going on unrepented mm-hmm. you know they're they're throwing it under the rug yeah. still doing it but mm-hmm. yet then they get up on sunday morning you know praise oh, yeah. jesus let's talk about whatever bible verse or yeah. whatever because quite frankly if you're doing all that stuff you're not loving and praising yeah jesus. they're a hypocrite they yeah. shouldn't be up on stage in the first place mm-hmm. so <clears throat> yeah i mean i think the last time i said on the podcast i went through uh, a season like that where I did get into stuff that I should not have, should not have, and I went through a long. I mean, that was three years ago when I was going through that stuff. Yeah, um, you said it went on for like a year, right? Yeah, and right I uh, went through, and I went through a <clears throat> church discipline, and I had to step back from leadership and all that. And uh, even at the time, I was struggling with how long it was going to take before. Um, things got better and I felt like I could have responsibility for stuff again 
because part of church discipline that a lot of people don't understand, um, they assume it's just like, oh, well, they're just punishing you for being this way or whatever. And I'm like, no, it's not just punishment. Like the reason they like ask you to step down from leadership and stuff like that is so that a the testimony is with is maintained well. Like we shouldn't have like all these other pastors that like, oh, well, yeah, I'm forgiven, and then they just let this hurt go on. Yeah. It allows you to take the time you need to genuinely heal and get beyond that and work on that. And <clears throat> I hate saying that, saying it like this, but work on yourself. Um, the reason I hate saying that is because people have taken that in culture to be something completely different and just... I mean, even, it's, even, even for church discipline, that's kind of the, not only to help you, but it's also to help the church because, mm-hmm. you know, you... The reason you do it is because you don't really want it to happen again. Yeah, exactly. So you got to reinforce it, make sure it's mm-hmm. cleansed or whatever you want to yeah. say. And it's, a, and it's an aspect of submitting to authority. Like you're doing that as saying, I messed up. I'm, going, I'm willing to submit to my authority at the, and the local church being the elders and such like that. Um, and for something supremely heinous like this sexual assault case is willing to submit to governmental law. Um, but willing to submit to that and show, like, I'm willing to have humility in this. Um, and that's the thing. Like, when people are unrepentant, it's really just pride yeah, that they're in it. Um, but, yeah, just me, like, it, enduring through that and then just kind of questioning, like, okay, how long? Like, like I, there was a time where I was like, man, I feel like I've made it and then I really wasn't and stuff like that. But now I'm three years later, about three years later, and... Um, in different ways, I'm being given responsibility and I'm taking responsibility in other ways. Uh, one of which being like reaching out to people and ministering to people and discipling people and stuff like that. Um, and by and large, I'm a much healthier, better Christian for that. Um, to where everyone, a lot of people was like, oh, well, they're just punishing you. It's like, no, like this really is for your best. Um, and people just don't understand that. And that's fortunate that they don't understand it, partially because we haven't taught it well for so many years. Um, but yeah, just understanding, like, yeah, like, there is a reason for this stuff. It is good. Yeah. Like, to be disciplined is good. Um, and I say, I, we say that for all the parents, too. Like, discipline your kids. Um, like, I say that as an umpire, like, when I'm having kids from four years old all the way to 14 years old step on my field and some of them have some of the worst attitudes I've ever seen. And I tell, and I tell their parents, I, I will sometimes tell their parents, and I'll tell the coaches and like, man, if he doesn't get this attitude in check, he's never going to amount to anything. Like he has plenty of talent, but because of this attitude, because he's undisciplined, he's not going to make it. Yeah. He might make varsity baseball because of his talent and the high school might be desperate enough to let him play, but he won't make it in college. And he'll wash out, and he'll be he'll, he'll peaked in high school, and he's gonna think that he deserves something because of his talent, and he's gonna end up washing dishes for ten, twenty, thirty years until he figures it out and humbles himself, realizing I'm not owed everything. Yeah, like I need to take responsibility, and so. And, and dude, I was I was disciplined as a kid, like even before I was saved. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be at my grandma's house. Me and my brothers, and we would do something bad. She'd pull out that wooden paddle. It was the end of the world. 
it was all over. But no, but my parents disciplined me. My grandparents disciplined me when my parents weren't there, so mm-hmm. they were the authority. And I think it, it definitely benefited benefited me mm-hmm. overall. Not that I didn't end up doing <laughs> other things that were bad, but right. that I see what it did and that it ultimately kept me from going into certain other aspects and other things, maybe mm-hmm. like drugs or whatever, yeah. that other people ended up going into. So it definitely benefited me overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not a it's not a one-to-one, like, oh, just because you discipline your kids, they're not going to run into any problems. Yeah. Like, it's not that, but oftentimes the, the kids that are disciplined, that understand um, a healthy relationship with authority and stuff like that, oftentimes they are better off. They'll have less problems with the law because they'll recognize the law is an authority. I might not like it. I might disagree with it. But it's still an authority, and I have to respect it. Yeah, you'll you'll see people who like back backmouth their parents or mm-hmm. teachers or maybe even authority of like police and such. But yeah, you definitely learn not to do that. <clears throat> yeah, I really I like, and it's one of those things like I'm worried because I also want to be like a public school teacher, uh, and I'm wor- and I'm worried about it because there's a there's a generation that, by and large, because we've not taking responsibility and raising these kids well and disciplining them, they get to school and they start doing all that. And they're smart kids. And I know they're smart because they'll do stuff knowing that if the teacher reacts, the teacher's the one that gets in trouble. Like, even if you, like, if that student comes up and tries to punch you in the face, there is no such thing as self-defense. Yeah. Like, it's that kid's word versus your word. And by and large, especially in today's culture, the kid's going to win. Yeah. And they know that. Um, and oftentimes, it t- like, and the thing is, the teacher in that moment is left defenseless and they can't really do much. They, they have the power to do something about it. But the moment they use that power, they might uh, get judged as using it inappropriately and lose their job. Um, and so one thing one thing I tried to teach my kids when I was, not my biological kids, obviously, but when I was a daycare teacher, I had kids that I was in charge of. Uh, let me make that clear. <laughs> I'm not a father yet. I hope to be. But when I was uh, teaching young kids in daycare, um, I tried to teach them a sense of uh, communal responsibility. Um, and I did that through a group timeout where when some of the kids would start talking as a whole group, I kept everybody under the discipline, um, with a selection of a few after so much time had passed saying, Hey, go ahead. And then have a conversation with the ones that were really perpetrating it saying the reason you're still here is because y'all were talking and being disrespectful. But I had that group timeout set up because I wanted the kids to realize, hey, they're not going to listen to me tell them to be quiet, but I guarantee you, like, they'll listen to you if you get frustrated enough with it. And I think in this, when it, and when it comes to discipling young people, and especially kids and teenagers, um, whenever I've talked with people that have left the church and stuff like that, a lot of them say, oh, well, it's because of hypocrisy or this or that, because um, churches, they believe they claim to believe this, yet they act this way and stuff like that. And 
And usually by the time they're 18, they leave the church. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, when they're 18 and they leave the church, what's the majority of their interaction with Christians? It's kids and teenagers. Like, of course kids and teenagers are hypocrites and yeah. <laughs> all that stuff. They, just, they don't know who they are yet. They're still struggling to learn who they are as a person. So, of course, they haven't figured it out and understood how to be men and women of integrity and stuff like that. Like, that's part of why we're supposed to teach them that. But with that said, I think teaching them, teaching young people, hey, like, we claim this, therefore we must abide by this. And we must stand here on these issues. And, like, we must... When we see, like, bullying happen in school, we must stand up for the kid that's being bullied. <coughs> that may not necessarily mean pummel the, bu- the bully into the lockers and beat the snot out of him. Yeah. Um, but it could mean, like, standing up for him and getting in between them and maybe even taking hit- some hits for that other kid so that that other kid sees someone else taking hits that he should be getting. Like, examples like that showing, like, hey, he's doing this because he believes in Christ. The God-man that came down from heaven to earth to live and take take the punches for us. Like, even though we might even, even though we even deserve them, he took the punches for us. So that we could be delivered and freed from that. Um, just teaching them things like that will help a lot of this young people leaving the church because of hypocrisy. Will they make mistakes? Absolutely. And teaching them, hey, grace is real. <laughs> like, grace is a thing. We all make mistakes. Grace is, that's, thank God for grace. But also teaching responsibility. Responsibility to live according to that grace and that integrity and responsibility to live out appropriately that that life um like even something i felt convicted of late over the last year was looking back on my time as a high schooler and middle schooler um and just feeling like not guilty um and like shameful but recognizing there's probably plenty of people that have a skewed view of christianity just because of me being a Christian oh, yeah. and failure and failures I had like, and again, God's gracious. And I hope, I hope they forget yeah, and same for me. Yeah, so. exactly. And so, and that's just something I think as I've gotten older, I've, be, I've become more aware of. Um, and that's something that young people don't think of. And unfortunately young people are forced to think about so many other things. They don't think about that. Young people are forced to think about five to 10 years in the future. If not the rest of their life, so much so that they forget that they live in the moment as well. Um, and so they'll allow things in the moment so long as it doesn't jeopardize the future. Um, when in actuality, someone at 16 might look to you as a Christian and say, well, he did this as a Christian, as, uh, as labeled a Christian. Yeah. And from what I'm told, that's not how Christians are supposed to be. Therefore, the Christ he claims to serve must not be real. Um, and that's how a lot of people feel about the church. 
Um, that's how the black population felt about the church for years and years. It was these white farmers and landowners that were slaving them that claimed that were all that were claiming to be Christian. It was it was Christians, white Christians that were owning slaves and treating them like property. When scripture is abundantly clear that, yeah, slave, a sl- there is slavery in scripture, but it's different. It's not as if they're property. It's a form of occupation. It's a form of financial provision. I mean, it's even paying, it's paying for debts. Mm-hmm. Working like, off your debts. Like Old Testament biblical slavery, and that's the one that everyone goes to. Is like, oh, well, even in the law, like, God promote slavery I'm like he's not promoting it he's accepting the fact that it's a thing that exists and he's also accepting the fact that financial hardships are real and in, when it comes to Israel as a in Israel, ancient Israel their culture is completely different than our culture they viewed themselves genuinely as brother sister mother father cousin etc <clears throat> they viewed themselves as that, as a whole family, as a as a plurality of tribes in one family, as Israel. To where us in America, we say a lot of, oh, well, that's those people. That's not a thing that was Israel. They are our people, and we in the, in the slavery process was, hey, like, hey, bro, um, famine hit our land. And we didn't get enough food to make make a living this year. Can we come live with you and serve under you as the authority for six years so that we can be better off financially and our whole family can be fed? Like, that's what slavery was like. And if it was good and really good, and that's why you had that language of, well, if I... If I say, oh, well, I'd, it would be better for me to serve my master, because they still use that language. Yeah. If it would be better to serve my Lord, my master, than, and better to stay in slavery, then they give them the chance to do that for the, for the 50 years uh, until Jubilee. Um, but they let that happen because it was good to serve under them. Their family was provided for. They had blessing that came to their family. And so until Jubilee, that's when they, like, because in Jubilee, everyone goes back to their homelands and stuff like that. That's allotted to them. Um, but that's how, like, slavery was a welfare system in, in, in ancient Israel. <clears throat> now, it's not to say it was the same way in other cultures. But at least as far as ancient Israel is concerned and when... And like even in the New Testament church, when Paul talks about like there's neither Jew or Greek, slave nor free, et cetera, et cetera, um, there's an understanding of a slave could have authoritative power as an elder in the local local congregation, and the master might even be a member at that church. So at home, the master might serve the slave might serve the master as an employee of sorts. But in the local congregation, that slave has more authority and a higher place of honor than the master does. And that's what's so scandalous about the time was Rome was very particular about, hey, you're in your place. Like, like, pay, like patrons are over 
like those that were being served yeah. basically like through like that was their method of oh I give you grace like Caesar gave me grace and I give you grace and such like that like it's very particular order to where now the church is like hey we're all equal so therefore yeah this slave could be the high one the second one of the high authorities of the local church over here like didn't matter <laughs> yeah. and so <clears throat> like slave like slavery by and large was just an occupation not just not a demoralizing like sense of property in that way well, yeah even in i think it's exodus when you see <coughs> the type of slavery the israelites went through under egypt was not the type of slavery it was like a cruel and very <clears throat> much wrong slavery it's what would be mm-hmm. known as slavery today mm-hmm. compared to what slavery was called after when they got when they got brought out of Egypt right. and then they would work under somebody to pay off some <clears throat> debts mm-hmm. they even had multiple laws on hey these are the do's and don'ts this happened mm-hmm. and this has repercussions for those actions yeah. so there were definitely yeah. differences and, even, so. and there's even uh, laws in the Exodus and uh, Leviticus and so forth yeah. in the Torah that uh, if you were to harm your slave in some kind of way, uh, whether he lost an eye or uh, something like that, um, if it was harsh enough, you had to set them free and clear their debt. Yeah. Like, to where you couldn't drive them like that. You couldn't oppress them like that. To where Egyptian slavery that God, Yahweh, delivered them from was much more like American slavery. And that's the kind of problem that uh, especially black Christians had with American Christians was the fact that, okay, like you claim to believe the same God we do of the, of the Bible, yet you're treating us like Egypt. Yeah. And that's wrong. And that has a skew of, okay, like clearly, like for a lot of, uh, for a lot of black people and for a lot of uh, just oppressed people, minority uh whatever people in general uh they have that skew towards christianity because of that um and that's why you have this uh at least part of why you have this uh sense of oh well like we need to take care of our minority groups and stuff like that the only reason the only reason the government feels any sense of responsibility towards its people is because the church is not taking responsibility and i hold that true yeah. Like when you like even uh brother Mark, who was our former senior pastor and now associate pastor, <clears throat> years ago, there was a city council or something going on for Dallas, uh or there was voting or something like that, or some sort of uh event being held at the church. Um and it was like a Q and A of some kind and they asked uh these officials, uh, well what do we do about the homeless people? And I don't remember if it was the mayor or some other official or something like that, but he said, leave that to the churches. <laughs> and I was like, he's not wrong. <laughs> like, the churches should be, like, as the ones that truly say, hey, like, we are to have compassion. We are to, have, like, help those in need and stuff like that. Like, obviously, you don't want your government officials saying, hey, punt the responsibility to the churches. But also, us as ch- like, us in the church shouldn't be punting responsibility to the government. And I think if the churches did as they were supposed to in helping the poor, the needy, the outcast, and whoever, as Christ did for us, 
there would be a lot less homeless population and be a lot less that are hungry and stuff like that. Yeah. No, no, no. Jesus does say there's always going to be poor people. There's always going to be those that are hungry and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> they're always going to be there. And I think part of the reason he says that is that there's always going to be opportunity to serve. Um, but also a level of, hey, like, don't feel so responsible as you need to solve world hunger or and have that sort of like level of ambition that's almost anxiety driven. Like, you don't need to feel that. I think that's part of why he says that. Um, but it also does say, like, hey, there's always going to be poor people. Therefore, there's no reason why he's saying it's like, well, what are we doing for the poor? Oh, there is no poor. Well, that's a load of crap. Jesus says they're always going to be poor. Like, <laughs> yeah. So there's always poor to be served and helped and such like that. Yeah, but, we're called to, to love our neighbors, so it's mm-hmm. that's just one thing you could do: go out there and yep. get them food or bring some clothing, whatever. Yeah, and that's why I respect the uh, Crossroads Crossroads Church. Uh, they do that well. Yeah, and I think it, like it was one thing when I was talking to my friend. Uh, Andrew uh, recently and was telling him, it's like, yeah, like he's had experiences with some bigger churches that have come to his uh, popcorn business and spent like $2,000 on popcorn for some event. And it was encouraging for me to tell him because it was after the member meeting we just had where um, Pastor Chris uh, was sharing about this. And uh, being able to tell him, was like, yeah, we get like part of the tithe money that we get at our church goes to ministries like that that are in that t- that place to be able to serve a ministry. Like part of our service to the poor and the needy is giving money through those financial means. Cause yeah, like in Lake Highlands, like we're a bit more prosperous. Like there's not as big of a, that kind of problem around there. It's still obviously there Yeah, and we do what we can, but Crossroads had like, if we have a hundred, they have a hundred thousand, like, like, not to say that's exactly, but that's the kind of, as far as the opportunity to serve the need and such like that, that's kind of what we're dealing with. And so, yeah, we'll take care of ours, but also we're going to financially help the, these people, this local congregation, so that they can do what they do really well. <clears throat> and it was really encouraging to be able to tell him, because he does. Str- my friend does struggle with kind of the hypocrisy of the church and stuff like that, and He's still, he's like, oh, well, I believe in Christ, dude. I'm not a part of the church uh, because I think the church is just has some hypocrisy in it that I just don't feel like I, need, I should be associated with. And I was like, yeah, the church does have some hypocrisy. But I think by and large, according to scripture and, and logic and reason, we should be in the church still. Um, and I think that's going to be one of those things uh, we talked about next Wednesday about the Southern Baptist Convention. Like, what does it mean for us? as a church that what that is officially associated with it um what does it mean for us uh now that all this is going down um how do we respond to that um and so that's going to be to where basically this convention was full of hypocrisy and as a as an independent yet like aligned with and associated with uh not independent, but autonomous, I should say. Autonomous church, yet aligned with the Southern Baptist Convention as far as uh, the Southern Baptist Convention has been very prominent in serve, in donating money to missions, international and, nas- and uh, national missions, that we've been giving money to help support so that people can 
go to other countries and share the gospel. Um, but yet now there's this huge scandal as, okay, like, what do we do with this? Like, do we stick, stay a part of it so that missions can still be supported and such like that? Will the convention still be around? What will, what, what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, there's a bit, there's, there's a lot of question marks with it. We don't really, we don't fully know what all it's going to entail. I mean, the Catholic church survived their scandal. I mean, yeah, there's jokes and stuff and they're still dealing with a lot, but by and large, like, they're still Catholic churches, and they just they take the punches when they can, and they still serve as they feel like they can and should. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of happens with the Baptists that don't have the same international authoritative clout as the Catholic Church. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, yeah I, I read that email. I think, what was it? Was it sent today or yesterday? I can't even remember. I think it was today. Uh, Might have been yesterday. Maybe. I'm not sure. But no, I saw that email. And I was like, oh. Because mm-hmm. I haven't really kept up with the Southern mm-hmm. Baptist, Baptist Convention. Yeah. So The first report came out last Sunday, and uh, Bill mentioned it at Wednesday night. and um, He still went through Martin Luther and then said next week, this upcoming Wednesday, he's going to devote yeah, full-on Q&A. Like, now that he's had, at that point, he would have had a week and a half to really work through and meditate and talk with the elders and all that about that situation to really figure out, okay, where are we going to stand as a local congregation in light of this? And then next Wednesday, all of us be able to ask, hey, where do we stand on this and that and so forth? And so... Yeah. Definitely an issue to be prayed about, so... Mm -hmm. We need to keep that in our prayers, so... But... You could. I had to scratch my head. <laughs> I have lice. Oh gosh, lice. Actually, I don't know if I have lice. Yeah. I've shaved my head too many times. Oh goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather not. If I, if I can avoid it. <laughs> I did though. I was th- I so I went to go see my old mentor Kyle and got lunch with them, and uh, one of the guy one they they're a bigger church. And uh, they're going to preteen camp, and I'm not going with them this year. Um, but one of the guys was talking about getting a golf cart because he's on the rec staff and everything, and it was going to cost like 250 bucks or something like that. And I mean, he's a college student intern; he ain't got that kind of money to donate to that. Yeah. Um, but I told him, I, sa- I was like, Connor, I'll pay for the golf cart if. You shave your head, your eyebrows, and your beard for the whole summer. <laughs> and he's like, "No, no way, not wor- no, not worth it." And I'm like, "All right, well, guess 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 you don't care enough for that golf cart, but because I'd do it just to see, just to see." That would be something. You should do that something with the the journey group. Like if I play assassins again, oh good, first one out or oh. everybody who loses, other than the the final, oh. has to shave their head. Something like that, that. would be miserable. Oh, That'd be hilarious. And, and there's going to be females in that group, and quite frankly, there's I don't want to see those females yeah, bald-headed. Breast Cancer Awareness Month, something like that. It's we'll, October, no. We'll do it early. <laughs> Make a video and then release it in October. Oh, that's. But see, for us, like that's a little less like harsh because our hair grows back pretty quickly, and yeah. we can get by with being like short hair. Man, there's some girls in that group. There's no way, like, 
that's going to like scar them for the next like four or five years just for the, to get their hair back to like pixie cut level. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, worth a try. So, uh, I feel like I'd have better luck if I did that with uh, like kids at preteen camp or something like that. Yeah, or, right, or like in the youth group or something. Granted, I don't think we have enough. Like, like if I had middle schoolers, I feel like I could do it with like middle school boys or something like that. I feel like well, boys would do it. Yeah, I feel like I can be like, hey, if you shave your head, I'll do this. <laughs> I'll give you a, a Red Bull if you shave your head. Oh god, that would be that might be considered abuse. <laughs> what? Abuse or at least nah. abuse of power. <laughs> By giving, yeah, but... one giving a kid a Red Bull. Two, that's not making him shave his head in order for him to get that Red Bull. <laughs> that might be an abuse of authority. <laughs> yeah, we'll, pu- we'll push it under the rug. Oh God, no. <laughs> can't be associated with that. God, especially. Oh man, I can just imagine if he went like was at camp and got home from camp and. His mom and dad are waiting to pick him up, and he gets off the he gets off the bus or the fifteen passenger van or whatever, and he's just just completely bald, like almost shiny, even like. <laughs> well, they have to sign the form to go to camp, so. Oh, man, I can just, I can just, just like not even knowing which kid, I can just imagine the look on their parents' face, just of complete just horror. Wouldn't be that bad. I think it would be that bad. It would. Yeah. I think it would be that bad. It'd be fine. You know. You know. I, you know who I think I could convince to shave their head. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Me? Yes. No. Uh, I feel like I potentially could convince like Caleb Luttrell. I don't <laughs> even know who that is. Uh, Mickey and Christina Luttrell. You know them? No. <laughs> uh, Mason's. Uh, Mason's now a teen. It's his younger brother. It's the teens. No, Mason's the teen. Caleb's the younger brother. Caleb's oh yeah, like, I don't know them then. I don't know any of them. Uh, they sit behind. A but yeah, if they're if they're the teens or kids, you could you <clears throat> could convince them to shave their head. I wonder if I could convince Layton. Probably. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You probably could. I wonder if I could convince Layton, but you know, I bet Titus would do it. <laughs> Convince both of them. I so bet, at the same I bet, time. I bet Titus would do it. Just sit them down. <laughs> five minutes. <clears throat> Go through the uh, the whole deal. Layton might, might be tough, but I feel like Titus I could convince. Just, show, just show him a picture of Bill from like two years ago when he shaved his head. He shaved his head not too long ago, didn't he? It was like two years ago. It was, like, it was during COVID. Nah, he shaved his head pretty sure when he was around me. Maybe it was a year I wasn't ago. here two years ago. Maybe it was a year ago. I mean, yeah. it was during COVID stress, but after we were back in church, so. Man, bus cuts are the way to go. Oh, man, it was so bad. Like, <laughs> it was jarring when Bill went up and his hair his haircut was different. It was just like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Can't be. Because we were just wondering, like, what happened? Because uh, typically, I think Melody typically does it. But I guess this one day, just Bill is... Just like I'm gonna do it myself, and just grabbed a. That's how you do did, it, man. Did it himself. Oh my god, it was terrible. That's what I'm saying. You put it on one setting, you did. can do your entire head. It's and easy, he did, and he did, and it was terrible. It's awesome. <laughs> it was terrible. The entire like it was. I don't even remember what the sermon was about. Granted, just focus on his head <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> like it was just. Oh man, it was so bad. 
And it was what was really funny was uh, that happened, and I think Mark was like giving announcements or something like that, or maybe Bill gave announcements and Mark was preaching or something, and. Uh, <laughs> Mark made a comment about like becoming one of us, <laughs> and for those that are listening, Mark is bald, like like shiny bald, and so like he was like, it's like yeah, like something about being a pastor here, you just end up <laughs> start start uh, losing your hair. It happens. Oh man, God. you can take that up a complaint with Bill. <laughs> well, never, I, never well, again. Was, well, it was funny like two weeks ago. Uh, um. He shaved and left the mustache, and I actually made a joke about that, and then by Sunday, he shaved it off. Yeah, I saw him that Wednesday, because <laughs> so I sat next to him, and then the next time I saw him, it was gone. Yeah, so. he uh, he had the mustache, and I was like, man, are you going to do it? So, so you're rocking the mustache. Are you just going to do announcements this week so that people have a Sunday just to get it out of their system, or are you going to just go ahead and preach? <laughs> that would be awesome if we all like and then choreographed sh- <laughs> something to all have mustaches for like one week. <laughs> if we all just... That would be so Everybody cool. We had just shaved our beards and just. That would be that would be awesome. I feel like that'd be dangerous. The <laughs> amount of people that might come in, especially guests, that would be like, "Oh, this is where all the Southern Baptists." Are with- at. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a cult. All the men have to have mustaches. <laughs> it's all like and, ha- and only like two or three of them have like decent ones. Everyone else just well, there are people in there who have great mustaches. I mean, you got David. I know Noah would look awesome with just a mustache. Noah would do good. Kale would be great. Beyond that, I'm not so sure. (laughs) After that, it's it's (laughs) too. Like I've tried just the the first time I tried just to rock a mustache. I was still in the youth group, and Shawn Michaels' mom looked at me and she was like, "Hey, what's up with the pedo?" I immediately, like the next day, shaved it, shaved it off. I was like, no. Nope. That's, that's typically why I don't do mustaches. Like, no, nope, not doing that. Doesn't uh-uh. doesn't doesn't look well. So <coughs> I can't rock it. But I tried to rock a just a goatee. Can't do it either. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, no, I need I need all this. I don't have a style. No, I could do no mustache. I could keep all this and do no mustache. I've done that before and it's not bad. But. I cannot do just the mustache. I did that, but I shaved it, so nobody saw it. I usually take a picture when I try some new style. I take a picture in the mirror. Mm. So See, I've, I've, sh- I've, let, I've let my beard grow out long enough to where, like, if it's really been a while, I'll actually, like, take multiple pictures, like, doing, like, transformation, like, along the way. <laughs> and so, like, I'll have it to where, like... I won't. Ha- I'll have not touched this side of the face, but like I've shaved this side off, <laughs> and like I even have a video of just like doing a whole like two face reveal, basically. That would be cool. Um, and of course, I'm like, and by the time I get all of it off, and I'll have like just the mustache, I'm just like, I actually texted Craig one time when I was doing this. It was like giving him updates, and he was like, "Bro, leave the mustache." I'm like, "No, there's no way. <laughs> I've Tell already you, shaved it off. I'm, there's no way." Tell you, man. We'll have to do something to get a, a mustache week. You know, we'll we'll do some sort of like missions incentive or something, like donate for the mustaches yeah. or something like that. And we'll de- we'll dedicate all the money towards uh, missions of some kind. But we'll do the donate to see all the men of the church. Uh, that would be or selected men of the church be mustache only. That would be hilarious. For, uh, <laughs> be really weird, but hilarious. It would be bad. It would be very bad. And my my only thing is it had like it can't just be single guys doing it. 
The married guys have to do it. Well, yeah, just every man, yeah. Yeah. All the guys guys have to do it. Yeah. Married guys have to do it. Like, I feel like whenever it comes to stuff like this, it's always like single guys like, yeah, we'll do it. And then the married guys are like, no, the wife won't let me or this or that. I'm like, no, we're not putting that. Like, every single one of them, like, married men and single, we're all doing this. Okay, I think, I want to say I saw Caleb Cormelia with a mustache. Yeah, he did that for a time. I think I saw him with it. I can't remember, but... Granted, for him, he can't grow much of anything else. And that's been that way this his entire life. Right. <laughs> it's been it's actually quite funny. Like both of his brothers like have had like full beards and then he just never could get like it was super patchy. He just never like he could only really get a mustache. And it's not a good one. Um but it's funny because he's always his entire life looked just fit, jacked, like like he didn't have to work a day in his life for his six pack, like yeah. But both of his brothers are just like, yeah, we, hey, we got we got hair though, <laughs> we got the beards. Yeah. Granted, one of them, like because it was his hair was starting to recede, just says nope. And so one of the brothers is actually bald on top, beard with beard. See, and, I think I'll do that too. Once I notice it, I'll probably just shave uh, it all. I, I thankfully feel, think I am blessed with hair. I don't think I will ever have that problem. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever have Do that problem. Do you plan on dying soon? or No, I just... I, I, so, both of my brothers have receding lines, but that came from... So, I think it came from our dad. So, I have a different dad than them. Okay. And so... Because my hair, like, it's full, it's thick, it's full. Like, both of my other brothers, like, at 18, started, started seeing the line go yeah. back. Like my, like the middle brother like was almost about to have like an island, and he said once I get an island it's off. Uh, but they both went military, and uh, Sean lost a bet and shaved his head, and he was like, you know, it doesn't look that bad, <laughs> and so he decided to keep it. Yeah. Uh, me, not so much. <laughs> my hair is thick. It is full. It is not going anywhere. I will probably have long gray hair. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, well, that's if I live long enough for it to become gray. <laughs> nah, you'll 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 die well in your eighties. Oh man, what's a solid number? Eighties. I mean, I might, but ugh. it's like average lifespan now. Yeah, I'm already hurting though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ar- I'm already hurting. Like I can only imagine how when I'm getting in my sixties, seventies, and eighties, how much I'll be hurting. I'm pretty sure. Ida White will still be kicking, and she'll probably be moving faster than I am at that point. <laughs> that woman's gonna live forever. <laughs> Maybe, like like the queen. Yeah, she. Yeah, because that's one of those things. Like Ida's one of those ladies that I think she's mid nineties now, like ninety four, ninety five, yeah. and still able to come to church every Sunday, like and all that. And I'm just like, man. To where like there's so many other people that have just deteriorated so quickly and. Like, if they even get close to that age, have, like, struggle with dementia and all yeah. that stuff and everything. And she's still just, she's on it. Got to get that secret. Like, what would she do? <coughs> Does she have the Krabby Patty formula? <laughs> What's really funny is when you watch, like, those news articles or whatever, and it's like, hey, like, like this man just turned 100. Like, hey, what's your secret? And he's like, well, I had a glass of, glass of scotch and a cigar every <laughs> single day of my life. And it's like... I don't think that's the secret. That doesn't, that doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> like, I don't think that'll work. <laughs> but. Yeah, you never really know. But probably fit. Eat healthy, I don't know. 
Maybe. I don't know. Take jogs at 4 a.m. Oh, God. Wouldn't it be me? I, I've tried. I really have. I've tried to get back into running, like with Ben. Like, he's come over a couple times and tried to, tried to do running. And quite frankly, it just hurts. <laughs> it just hurts. Yeah. Like, I just can't. Like, I can do some sprints and stuff like that, but I cannot. Like, I can't do the long-distance jogging. Like, I can't just jog for, like, 30 minutes. And I know people that can jog for, like, just, like, hours and hours. I'm like, no. Like, that just Well, Craig r- runs, doesn't he? He no, does. He walks. Oh, he Craig walks. walks. Okay. Bill runs. Okay. Qu- Craig <laughs> walks. They're the Quay. same thing. No. Just do walks. No. I don't have the time to do walks, though. That's the problem. Because <laughs> the thing is, when Craig goes on walks, he's gone for like four hours. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't have the time to go be missing for four hours. Just do it late <laughs> at night. Or rarely early in the morning. I don't know. <coughs> you can do shorter walks anyways. Yeah. I see that. Uh, no. Or you just... Are you trying to lose weight? Or are you just... No, like, I mean, I doubt, I don't losing know weight will be a byproduct, but really it's just, I've noticed uh, lately, like, going upstairs or stuff like that, like, just, like, it feels harder, and I'm just like, huh, that's, I'm too young for that to be hard still, like, like, I should have better heart health and stuff like that, like, that's the thing, I'm kind of cursed with knowledge, I study kinesiology, so it's like I'm kind of cursed with it. Uh, knowing exactly, it's like, okay, well, I need to be better about my heart health and I'm better about this. And like, there's a lot of things that come out like, oh, you should try this. I'm like, no, stop. Like, keto diet. Like, you're wrong. Like, the <laughs> amount of people that have come out, like, whether, like, and there's some, like, there's some, and the thing is, there's some aspects of truth, but like, the thing, like, that I still to this day struggle with as far as like arguing for it and everything, it was like, intermittent fasting. Like, everyone was like, oh, yeah, like, if you just don't eat until, like, it'll switch, like, something will switch in your brain, in your body, and it'll start killing this instead when you're, and I'm just like, all you're doing is sending yourself into starvation mode. (laughs) Like, that's all you're doing. You're not actually helping yourself. Like, you're just sending your body into starvation mode. It's actually eating away your protein, not your fat. (laughs) Like, you're saying it's, you're training your body to burn the fat. I'm like, no, you're burning the protein actually when you do that yeah like you shouldn't do that you always get like a <coughs> gym membership and do uh the treadmill i hate the treadmill i hate it i do so the one thing <laughs> the i will thing. say though well it's not the same thing so the like with uh the treadmill like push like first off you're running on a machine that does not feel great <clears throat> especially when you're a large man you're questioning at any moment when the a when the the not the wheel but the uh, the tread yeah tread basically just like when Snaps. you're running on it, it will stop because you're too you're way too much and it'll actually like come into contact with the machine so it'll stop it'll skid so that will happen or you're just by running on this thing wondering am I just about to fall through this thing like I don't know <laughs> and so I. I've never been a fan of the treadmill. Mm. Um, I will say, though, one thing I probably could and should probably get into is maybe biking. It'd be a little less intense on my on my limbs and my joints. Because the thing with running is that I just, like, after running for some time, like, my let, my calves and shins just started just dying. I feel like it'd be like that same thing for biking, though. Uh, well, the, prob- the, thing, the difference is between the biking and the 
running is with the running it's the pounding on the ground that's sending shocks through your legs to where biking you're not having that same shock you're just continually moving so it'll like you'll still be burning a lot and like maybe your knees might feel a little bit but it's not having to deal with the shock of hitting the ground over and over Mm. thank you texas tech for taking seventy thousand dollars of my money just to teach me that (laughs) well worth it yeah i guess so but you always go do squats no, I got bad back. I already, that's that's the problem. I've jacked up my back. I've jacked up my shoulders. I've jacked up my knee. I've jacked up my hip. Like everything's broken. <laughs> uh, like it is one of those things where like day like I like part of the hope I have in Christ is the new body I'll be given. Like man, what what will it be like in the new earth when? I can run and not feel the pain of the shock of running (laughs) (laughs) or jump or squat or do cartwheels. Some people will think you'll be able to fly. Like you'll have wings or just flying in general. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about that one. Maybe. I'm not sure. That'd be cool. But I don't know. (laughs) Um, That'd be interesting. Because whenever I see like, like there's the fly on wings like eagles and stuff like that. Um, I think that also gets into like when people talked about going to heaven forever and almost becoming an angel. I'm like, I don't. Like, first off, you don't become an angel. You're still a human. And secondly, um, yeah, I'm just not full sure on the whole because he says he'll give you a new body. It doesn't say that your body's going to be necessarily different than like anatomically than what you have. Like. Yeah. It's not like, hey, like here's your new body. You have four arms. Like, <laughs> don't like. Walls. I don't think that's gonna. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah. It might be more of like a Super Saiyan deal, where like <laughs> maybe that's how we start flying, or like Superman. Like maybe that's how we start flying. We have innate abilities. What is this? <laughs> like I don't know. Some like, people can jump far. Other people can fly. Some people can teleport. <laughs> like. That feels more see, but that feels more realistic than saying, "Okay, well, I'm going to grow wings." Like I think, hey man, I just look at it like, <laughs> oh, and like everybody's like in the Bible, everybody's walking. I'm thinking that's, yeah, everybody's going to just be walking. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I was like, I'm not We're sure if we we'll fly, but I'm pretty sure if we do fly, it's not going to be because of wings. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. But I'm assuming we'll just, we'll just like we have everywhere. been for all of human history. We'll walk. We'll run. We'll. Play games we'll walk across and... rivers. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but but. <clears throat> you got anything else? I don't know. Um, let's see. What's one? What's one thing I can? Do you mention? have topics written down too? No. <laughs> about um, to say, I'm weird. The, the only topic I could think of potentially mentioning is arguing against Calvinism, but I'll, I'll save that for another I'll save that for another I, podcast. I swear, I swear to you. I swear to you. I did the episode with my brother, right? right and, to I, and I knew you were coming on. And I was like, I, was like I, I think there's a high chance that Calvinism is going to be a topic for us. I was like, I think there's a high chance, but I'm not going like, to I'm not going to rule it out, but I'm not going to just jump on that horse. Yeah, it very well could have been. Um, we'll save that for another podcast. Maybe if me and your <laughs> you brother, want to refute Calvinism, I'm yeah, maybe if you and you are welcome brother. to talk about it. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll be where I was with Tyler. I'm on the middle ground, so I'm yeah. not for or against. Yeah, I think you're welcome so, to to jump on it. The only thing with me when it comes to to Calvinism, and 
the thing that I'll mention here, just as a you know food for thought kind of deal. Yeah, um, is kind of it goes back to responsibility. Um, so when you talk about Calvinism and predestination and stuff like that, you talk we're talking about God's sovereignty versus human responsibility. And the thing with Calvinism is that they're so adamant on not relinquishing God's sovereignty. I just think they tend to go so far as to almost de- to a detriment of human responsibility um, to where it's uh, like it's a person's responsibility to actually make the choice. Yeah. So like when you talk about and I think this is where like especially today in philosophy, uh, you have the problem of evil. That's atheists' biggest argument against theism, a bit against there being a God, is, okay, well, if there's this good God, how is all this evil in the world? And the thing is, like, even Calvinists have said, and I say, when I say that, I mean, Alvin Plantinga is a Calvinist. He's Reformed. He came up with Reformed epistemology. And he also came up with the free will defense. Well, the part of the, the whole deal with the free will defense is... The reason we have evil is because of humanity. It's allowed because of human free will. Like, the reason evil exists is because Adam and Eve ate the fruit. Like, we have that recognition. Like, because they disobeyed, they made the choice, they disobeyed God. Therefore, evil runs rampant. We, We gave up our position of authority as kings and queens, priests and priestesses of earth under God's under God's rule we gave up all that to live as one on the earth and Jesus has to come down to earth live the perfect life and then ascend to that position for humanity removing satan from that spot of having authority over the earth um but it's in, but like we'll talk about the freedom and choice there and how humanity going to and people going to hell Oh, well, it's because they chose to do evil. I mean, technically, that's true. It it is true. But say, okay, well, you're saying that, but then you also say, well, it's because God didn't choose them. Well, which is it? Did God not choose them? Or did humanity choose to do evil? And it's like, well, it's both. Well, how does that make sense? It can, but there's going to be a level of mystery there. And the problem I have with it all, with all that stuff, is there's always this level of mystery that Calvinists want to claim that is not there. Like it's no, it's not mystery. It's this, where like no, like we talk about this, we talk about evil, we talk about uh, how everything else is a matter of choice and of human choices as well. And so they're like, well, what do you do with scripture that says, well, God chose them? And I'm like, yeah, God did choose them. I have no problem with saying that. But I think also humanity has their responsibility to accept that God chose them. And so the example I often go to is a man chooses a woman to propose to and marry. And he said, he gets down on one knee and says, will you marry me? And proposes. Yeah. The man chose the woman. The woman has to make the choice to say yes. And so when it comes to salvation, that's why I, I land on is God did everything as far as sending Jesus and providing the way 
so that humanity can be saved. And he has a simple invitation saying, will you enter into covenant relationship with me? And humanity has the choice to say yes or no. Well, playing devil's advocate here, mm-hmm. I think one thing, and obviously I'm not a Calvinist <clears throat> and I don't know everything, but I think one thing they would bring up, I think it's in Romans. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where, you probably know where it is, where it says, uh, it says no man is righteous, mm-hmm. no, uh, no not one, you know, nobody seeks after God, mm-hmm. and nobody, it keeps going on. Sure. So I think one of their what they say is that okay. So this is talking about somebody who is before salvation. Mm-hmm. You're not righteous. You're not seeking after God. Mm-hmm. It's that, and I think it's that Calvinists say that God gives you the faith to mm-hmm. believe that ends up turning that leads you to salvation and mm-hmm. regeneration. Sure. So I think that I think an argument that would be said about that would be that. You couldn't logically come to the conclusion of salvation or accepting God unless God gives it to you. Mm-hmm. you see what I mean? Yeah, and that's so, and that's of course if you believe in irresistible grace. Yeah, that just because grace has been imparted on you, therefore it must be accepted. Um, and I'm not so certain. Um, and because again, I would say absolutely, God did do all the work. He did send His Spirit and to work on your heart and shape it and morph it. So that you could, he he did all that. You still have the decision. You still have your free will. He didn't, he didn't mess with your freedom in order to, because at that point, did you really choose God? And if you don't, and like, how can you say, oh well, I love you, I've chosen you, and all this other stuff? Like, like we have this relationship with it's just forced upon, like. How can how can I tell like it's like oh well honey like I love you you don't have to love me though like I've I've forced this relationship upon you therefore you're kind of stuck in this relationship with me and I might do to where I just don't see how because again if if that is just forced upon like that then how is not then how come like the logical line must continue to every other decision made by humanity. And if that logical if God impressions on humanity in such a way as they have no choice but to accept or no choice but to refuse God, then how then how does that not also impact and work into every other decision apparent apparent decision and choice? humanity has including sin and so the the reason i struggle with that is saying okay well yeah god does all the work and he does that so that you'll do this and even against your own will but yet he'll let you and even sometimes make you sin and all that and do evil and so now god's responsible for the so evil so well. because he elected or because he predestined he also predestined you your sins or you to do sins mm-hmm. i know if that first like off, he, i know they would starts, say no i know that yeah so it's like if he starts the predestination of all of that doesn't he have to also in the sake of his omniscience like that because they're they're wanting to appeal to sovereignty his power and his omniscience they're wanting to maintain that and i respect that but if you go to the fullest lengths of that it it can spread into okay now when i look at adam and eve god caused adam to eat the fruit so that this epic plan of whatever and might happen 
and God's the reason for evil in the world, not humanity. And what? so when you get into, so if God has that kind of sovereignty over every single decision, because if he has that sovereignty over salvation, would that also not logically mean he has sovereignty over every other decision as well? And if he does, then that includes decisions regarding evil. Well, well I do know Calvinists don't fool, like, they don't disregard free will. So, like, like, mm. like, uh... Yeah, just in terms of salvation. Yes. So, like, when you look at, like, a libertarian free will. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're presented with two options. Let's say, let's say I have the option to either look at porn or to walk away, right? Mm-hmm. Sin or not sin. That is completely and utterly would be my choice. Mm-hmm. That that would be there would be no authority choosing it for me, or stringing me along. That would completely be my choice on what I did. So yeah. if I sinned, that would be completely applied to me. Mm-hmm. That it's my choice, not something God predestined for me to do. Mm-hmm. I think. That, yeah, but Calvinists don't believe in libertarian free will. Well, they do. Mm, no. <laughs> for everyone I know, they, they do. No, because not, maybe not for salvation, but well, your day to day things. Yeah. I mean, but if salvation is not a free will choice, then how then can every then how can anything else be a free will choice? That's the thing. Like, if you're gonna say God has the supreme authority over the decision to make here, he that must continue along to where every other decision also is under his authority. So once predestined comes into play, it applies to everything. It can't mm-hmm. be a. I've thought about that. Yeah, I, I haven't looked into it. And so but. that's why for me, that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a proposal. It's a choice. God did make the way for all people to be saved. And they have the choice to accept that salvation. And now, the spirit, again, the Spirit does work. That's why we pray for people that aren't saved, so that the Spirit will work in their hearts, so that they'll do all that. that the Spirit will work and encourage them. So, like, for us as Christians, now it's ju- not just, I have... <laughs> door i guess yeah, somebody not um so i have the decision to look at porn or the decision to not look at porn there's also the spirit working in me as well saying hey don't look at porn yeah like now i'm not gonna like say well you can't look at porn like you don't have the free will to do that he's going to implore he's going to encourage he's going to help you so that you'll be reminded hey when you looked at porn, this is what happens. Versus, if you don't look at porn, this is the blessing that comes from that. And he's going to encourage you and teach you and lead you in truth. <clears throat> to where, in the same episode, the spirit of lies and the devil and his demons are also saying, "Yeah, but like when you look when you look at porn, though, you feel this way. You yeah. do these things. The immediate Versus, satisfaction. Exactly. And so you have so as Christians, you have the Holy Spirit and the spirit of deceit in your flesh." working against each other. That's why Paul says, like, my, my flesh does one thing, yet my spirit does another. Like, I, and I do what I don't do, don't want to do, and, yeah, and yeah. such like that. Like, therefore, and then he says, therefore, in 8.1, there is no condemnation for those found in Christ. Because there is that, in, there's that internal struggle. Well, is there a struggle if it's all predestined? Mm-hmm. Like, if God's already ordained that this is going to happen at this time and at this time and at this time. Well, I think what they would say is God didn't ordain you, your sin, though. But how could he not? That's the thing. Like, if you say he ordained this aspect... I'm just saying that's that's what... 
No, I get from that. what I understand, that, from yeah. what I've seen. No, I agree. That's what they say. But that, but the problem is, how do you say, okay, well, he ordained this, but not all these other aspects? If predestination says, no, your life is going to be in such a way that you will end up at this point. Yeah. And you're going to be born here. I know you before you were born. You were chosen before you were born. You were, you were going to be born here. You're going to accept me at this time, and you're going to do this and so forth, and, every, and you're going to do all these different things. And to where he says, like, even, like, I knew everything before you were born. I knew everything after. Like, that's what there's, like, they go to the point of saying, like, because God knows everything about you, and he still chose you, therefore you're saved. And that's why your sin, past, present, and future is all forgiven, because God took all of it into account when he chose you, or whatever. Or God chose you in spite of whatever, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, again, it, it all gets into omniscience. It gets really weird. It gets really fuzzy because it seems, well, yeah, like, all that stuff is ordained. Like, he's seen it, and it's all going to be, like, I think even, like, when you had your brother on, it, like, when y'all were talking about Molinism, it was, uh, Molinism was looking at the possibility, all the possibilities. All the different, it's like the multiverse or yeah. other outcomes yeah, or other all choices. all different outcomes versus... Like Calvinism that says, no, look, this is the one way, this is the best world, and this is the way it's going to be, uh, according to Leibniz and best of, all, best of all possible worlds and stuff like that. And again, common atheist rebuke or retort of that is really, so the best of possible worlds is the Holocaust and hundreds of thousands of priests and pastors raping children. Like, that's the best of all possible worlds. And again, it's, again, it's about evil. Like, it's the struggle with evil. Um... And so when you talk about, well, God chose these people to be saved and not these people, limited atonement, he said he chose and saved these and not these. Well, by not making a choice, you made a choice, right? Yeah. Like, I, if, I see what you're saying. Like if there's a Dr. Pepper here, it's like, okay, I have the choice to get that Dr. Pepper. I have the choice not to get that Dr. Pepper. It's still a choice. And so when you say, okay, well, I predestined that these people will be saved. Therefore, you've also predestined that these people won't be saved. Like you kind of have to go there. Like by choosing them, you've chosen. You've not chosen them. You've cho- you've chosen to not choose them. Therefore, still choosing them, just to a different destination. I have ran into that issue, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't bring it up last episode. It, it just never came up. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, and I need to look more into like more. I guess study of predestination specifically, mm-hmm. but it, it does seem hard to say that somebody could be predestined, like let's say for heaven, mm-hmm. but yet the people who end up in hell weren't predestined for hell. Yeah, because I again, mean, if you chose, if God chose them, He chose to not choose them. That that it's not just He chose them and not them. It's He chose to choose them. He chose to not choose that. That's, that's, although I think there's a way out of it, but I think if I was asked a Calvinist this, mm. they, they would say this is not possible, which, but I, I, would, I would say, okay, then let's take somebody who is not elect, right? Mm. So let's say they die right now, they'll go to hell. Let's yeah. say, does a non-elect person have the ability to become elect? And I'm pretty mm. sure they would say no. I don't know. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure because because you know no. before the foundation of the earth. Yeah, I right? assume they'd say no. I assume you say no. But if you said yes, and I would say okay, then you wouldn't essentially be pre- predestined to hell. But if 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 you're non-elect, 
you have no other outcome but than help. one outcome, right? Mm -hmm. Just yeah. like an elect has one outcome. Yeah. So like they would say like, okay, could a non could an elect person go to hell before coming becoming saved? And they say it's not a possibility yeah, because they're possible. elect, so yeah. they will eventually get saved before that mm -hmm. due date. Yeah. So then it would work the opposite way, saying, okay, then somebody non-elect would never have. Yeah. It's not that they would never heard the word or never went to church, yeah, or, but they, it, they always refused it. So yeah. they got what they got. Yeah. So I do find that hard to believe that you could say one side is predestined, what mm -hmm. one isn't. But I don't have the study to say yeah. specifically. And so, and so it's all of those questions that just lead me to, essentially, almost like, not ignorantly, but to say like. Therefore, for me, libertarian free will, like God provided the way and he greatly implores everyone just like he did the Jews. Like, he implores them all to become a part of his family and he offers it, but you have the freedom to, to reject it. Yeah. Um, like, I, and like, again, like, and the, the thing is the same questions I had for the Calvinists are like, okay, well, you got to think about this and this. We had to think about the same thing as well. Okay, well, what like what do I do with the fact of, well, God knew everything before, during, and after of my life. Like, if he knows everything about my life, then how do I really have free will if he already knows all that stuff? Like, and so that gets into, it's all fuzzy. Like, <clears throat> and that's why for me, it's just a matter of when I look at somebody, and I'm, if I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, responsibility tells me Human responsibility tells me I have a responsibility to share the gospel with them beyond just the commandment of you need to share the gospel and be my witnesses. I have the responsibility because as God has shown me love, I have to show God's love and God's love is shown in our obedience to him and his way in sharing the gospel with these people that are outcasts, that are running away for while we were still sinners, Christ died for our sins. Yeah. And so being willing, even while they're rejecting God, still to serve them as Christ did. Um, and so it's one of those things where it's like, and I can look at the end of the day and say, well, you went to hell because you chose to, not because God ordained it. And so for me, that kind of like, kind of gives God off the hook. But then again, I had to deal with the same struggles of, well, what does it mean for God's omniscience? What does it mean for God's omnipotence if someone can reject his grace? or whatever or the spirit's working yeah um like i have to deal with the same struggles but at the end of the day when i look at responsibility it's like man i can do everything for you um like i had this kid that was living with me and i provided a roof over his head i, pro I provided him food to eat i provided him a ride to school um he's not a part of my family um i took him in like he was kicked out of his own house um and I, I was helping him with court fees. I was helping him with all this different stuff. I did everything for this guy. And he still felt like he had to demand respect from me and push me in my house and take advantage of me. And so I removed him. I kicked him out of the house. Um, because that's, not, that's demoralizing to me to treat me in such a way. And it's one of those things. I did all these things. And, I mean, Christ threw me as well provided essentially provided grace and compassion and mercy and all this stuff for you yet this person still rejected it and so i think there's an aspect of like god god's spirit can go upon people and try and work and 
I think it's one of those things where for some people, their hearts get softer and other people, their hearts get hardened. Um, why, why whatever happens when it does? Um, the Calvinists will say, well, it's because of predestination. Uh, for guys like me that are free will libertarians, it's like, well, they, they chose to. They chose to reject that. They chose, they chose the pride of their own heart and to serve their own idolatry instead of choosing God who loves them and is gracious to them. And so for me, I feel a greater responsibility to have integrity, to live according to these ways. Um, not because I gain anything. It's not like I'm not, not works-based faith. Um, but I think my integrity does have an impact in other people's salvation. And in there, in so far as me appropriately representing Christ does give other people an accurate representation of the Christ that is being offered to them to serve to where <clears throat> again if you just say it's all predestined and everything I don't want to go so far as to say they don't feel that same responsibility because they would say oh well, because of the spirit in us like of course we feel that same responsibility um, but like when it comes to like logic and stuff like that like other than, other than the spirit in you that says otherwise, what is your responsibility to your fellow man? Well, th that would be more, like I talked with Tyler, more of an extreme v variant of mm -hmm. Calvinism where you really don't have to do anything. Whoever's mm -hmm. predestined is predestined. Right. Whereas they don't believe that because cause we don't know who's who. You know, we don't know who's saved or who is yeah. unsaved, who's going, who's not. Yeah, but I mean, that's why we're the, out there to spread like the gospel. Just sharing the gospel in general, because again, they're they're going to say, or oftentimes Calvinists will say, it's the word of the Lord and the Spirit working through the word that leads the heart towards regeneration. Like the Spirit and the Spirit working on you to go share the gospel with these people and all that, despite or in spite of the way you're living, the character you have, and all that stuff and everything. Um, and it, cause again, my question is like, okay, well, the spirit knows all these things and knows all the sins that you've done and everything like that. Uh, God knows all these things. So maybe in, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, in view of, well, Trey's going to live this life this way. So, uh, at this particular time, he's going to be particularly rebellious. So I'm not going to have him share the, I'm not going to send a spirit to share the gospel with people in that time. But at this time he's going to be on, he's going to be really dedicated to me. And so I'm going to send the spirit to go before him at this time and like maybe it's the case I don't know I feel like for me it just has a whole lot of questions to where at the end of the day for me when it comes to whether someone's in heaven or hell or on the new earth or burning in the lake of fire in the end it's on them it's on them like I feel like I feel like at the end of the day it should be on them not on God now I will say this as another devil's advocate sure that's something that would be said upon faith would be, you know, Calvin would say, God gave you the faith mm -hmm. that led to regeneration. Sure. Whereas, like you would say, you made the choice, rather, mm -hmm. to have or to to have the faith, or you made the choice of faith. Well, I don't know how you say that. So with, But they so, would say you're applying that to you rather than applying those to God. You're glorifying yourself over glorifying God. So That's one thing that would be said about the that. The thing I would say is... And, I mean, not everyone knows this principle or has this principle. But I was taught this principle of 90-10. 90% 90 
And so essentially when it comes to helping people out or serving people, and this is something my brothers taught me. It wasn't, um, and he, and my brothers taught me this in light of like their marriage, for example, um, to where like, it's like, all right, like I'll put out 90% of the work, but if you don't put in any effort, if you can't put put in 10% of the effort, well, obviously the numbers can be skewed, but the principle still stands. Yeah. <clears throat> like I'll, if you can't put in that 10%, then I'm kind of wasting my time putting in this 90%. Um, to where the Calvinists, and so I would apply that to God's where say, hey, he did 90, 99, whatever. Like here's your 10%. Like here's your, like he did 99.999% of the work that gets you to the point of, of, of as far as any sort of free will ability choice, whatever to say, are you going to be saved and serve God and all this and everything? You have point zero 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 one percent is just putting your yes on the table and submitting to him and then having the spirit come upon and all yeah. that and everything. Um, that's the that's the libertarian free will position, to where the Calvinist position is one hundred zero. It is all God, no man, yeah. and that's the distinction. And so I have no problem. Like when they says, "Oh, well, that's just man, man's salvation," like that's man's salvation. That's works based salvation. I'm like, you're gonna tell me that point zero 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 x whatever how many zero one percent is me getting salvation for myself. Like, me saying yes to something did nothing. Like, it's like God did all the work. All I did was say yes. Like, will you accept me as your Lord? Uh, like, Jesus, like, will you accept me as your Lord and Savior? Yes. That's all I did. <laughs> Everything I, else was him. <laughs> I will say this for your side. Um, that when we, when we talk about, just in general, somebody who, say, you take whatever person, mm-hmm. they, they get to this point and they get saved. Mm-hmm. I don't know the scripture, but I can paraphrase stuff. Sure. Um, but it talks about, I don't know where it talks about, that, that there is rejoicing in heaven mm-hmm. when each soul yeah, uh, and so that's gets a, saved or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that was like uh, that. Luke 15. Yeah, but so I would say that Washi, what would be the value of a, of a party, essentially, when you already, you know, you already knew they were going to be there. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, I feel like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the context of that scripture perfectly so i could have that wrong but i would say what would be the part of the point of a a celebration mm -hmm. when it was preordained yeah or predestined yeah i mean the only thing i could say for that on behalf of the calvinists is to say well god knew but not the angels therefore the angels are the ones endorsing yeah i could see that and so god knew it was going to happen but not the angels um that's the only thing i could say for that okay um for me, though, because uh, um, again, like, again, this all comes about to okay, what does God know, and how does that impact everything else? Um, like, what is it? What do we mean when we say God is omniscient and has all knowledge? Um, without, again, without trying to be heretical. Um, and so, like, and so Calvinists will say, well, libertarians are semi-pelagious because the only way they could choose righteousness is if they had no sin and I'm like well that's not I mean that was Pelagius like say we didn't have original sin um, that's why he was condemned as a heretic it wasn't, it wasn't because he advocated for free will it was because he said 
we have free will because we don't have original sin. It's like, dude, you were on the right track, and then you just went... <laughs> 180. Yeah, you just jumped off the deep end. Yeah. Went cuckoo. Um, but yeah, I mean, to say, like... Like, obviously, it's not like, well, I saved myself because I did... Like, no. Like, quit. Like, shut up. You're stupid. Like, you didn't go die on the cross. You didn't go do... Like, no. God did all the work. All you had to do was say yes. And submit. And and the, I... I I, I didn't get into this, um, partially because I haven't studied it enough, and uh, Dr. Barry has a book that I plan to re- read concerning it, because it, uh, it's one thing I, start, I I think we've talked about before I struggle with. It's not losing salvation, but it's uh, this com- this uh, other P word, uh, perseverance. Yeah, perseverance. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about how could somebody be so on fire <clears throat> for Christ for, five, let's say, five yeah. years, and then... They're gone. Yeah, but they I'm just denounce it. But like, there seems to be in Scripture this theme of perseverance that, like, whenever Paul says, like, run the race, finish the race well, and stuff like that. Um, it's like, okay, well, there seems to be this aspect of perseverance, but what is perseverance? Like, what does that even mean, really? Um, yeah. And I mean, we could say a whole lot of different things and have a whole lot of discussion about it. Because um, as far as we get, we really just get a whole lot of analogies with it in Scripture, and obviously every analogy fails at some point, logically. Um, but there seems to be some aspect of predestination. There seems to be some aspect of perseverance. Um, and I think that kind of goes into there's an aspect of God's sovereignty and there's an aspect of human responsibility. Um, and so it's just... Yeah. And, and both sides are, articulate them in different ways. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, and the thing I want to harp on with it is just because somebody articulates it in a slightly different way or in a different, or in a different way does not necessarily mean they are being heretical or like they're like, like the, the one thing I've learned over the last year is theology is a struggle. Yeah. Like it's it is something to wrestle with and continue to struggle through. Um, I had a final exam for one of my classes, and uh, one and it was talking about a canonic theory. One of the questions was talking about canonic Christology. Basically, what does it mean for uh, the Son of God to have emptied Himself to become man, uh, according to like Philippians two five. <clears throat> Uh, he emptied himself and humbled himself to become man. Well, what does that mean? Because to say he's fully God and fully man, he must have all the attributes of God and all the attributes of man. Yeah. Um, as And this is articulated in the councils and everything like that. Every Orthodox believer believes that. And I say Orthodox not meaning Russian Orthodox or Eastern Orthodox, but I mean just... Orthodox is in people that are genuinely, truly Christians have to believe this about Jesus Christ. Um, and so, what does it mean for the Son of God to have emptied himself to become man? Because um, it can't mean, oh, well, he doesn't have this uh, God aspect, attribute. Like, he gave up his, oh, he gave up his omniscience to become man so Jesus doesn't have a divine mind well we seem to it seems pretty clear in scripture at many places that he does have divine mind 
um, where he knows the hearts of men, of, of men and their thoughts before they're even saying them or yeah. thinking them and says, why do you believe this on your heart? <coughs> Does he sacrifice omnipotence? Well, he seems to be a pretty miraculous worker and do awesome things that say otherwise. Um, though he does die like um, and as far as omniscience goes uh, he seems to know all these things yet says oh well I don't know this or stuff like that or I've forgotten or whatever um, and it's just it's really tense um, and I say that because when I was writing this my response to that question uh, I had a first response that I had written out and then I was going to take a break and then I came back to it later uh, the next day and it was deleted. And I was like, it was probably a good thing that it was deleted because I'm pretty sure in hindsight what I wrote was heresy. <laughs> <laughs> we all do that. <clears throat> At least once. Like I think, because I think what I came to was almost like a form of docetism where God, or where uh, either the Son of God just appeared to be man or the this man appeared to have some sort of divine aspects to him. And I was like, well, you can't say that. That's heretical. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and the reason I came to that somewhat conclusion was, by using appearance language, was in the Old Testament with uh, the Garden of Eden, the tabernacle, and the temple, um, there seems to be some sort of, quote-unquote, special presence of God uh, in those places in the Ark of the Covenant with the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies of the Temple in the Garden of Eden, of Eden with yeah. Adam and Eve where he walks among them and stuff like that but what do you talk about a God that is spirit walking among uh, people yeah, uh, and, have, and saying I will be with you and by saying I will be with you I am not with them yet he's an omnip- omnipresent spirit that is everywhere and even Solomon recognizes that at the dedication of the temple, saying, yes, we built this temple, but we all know that you can't be confined to this temple. Like, you're everywhere. <clears throat> and David will say the same thing, where it's like, where am I supposed to go where you're not there? If I, even if I go into to the grave, you'll be there. And so we have this understanding of, okay, yeah, God's special presence is here, yet he's everywhere. So what does that even mean? Um, and I started using that with Christ as the son of God's special presence was in humanity. But I'm like, no, that just means he basically imparted divineness into human. But like, hold on. Like it's, I was like, that's problematic. I don't think you can do that. <laughs> yeah. And so <clears throat> trying to articulate and work through this and thinking through. And the reason this, uh, for those listening, the canonic theory was, uh, being presented was because of uh, uh, new psychology studies and what does it mean for some a, per, a single person as Jesus is one person uh, it's one person, two natures what does it mean for a single person to have two minds so what does it mean for the person Jesus Christ, the son of God, to have a human mind and divine mind um, and so it was working through that discussion struggling through that basically but yeah, I was I was r- rattling my brain trying to work through that, and like the first attempt I had, I realized, oh, I think this is heresy. Like I'm pretty sure this was condemned like 1500 years ago. I can't say this. <laughs> <laughs> I will surely fail if I say this. And so, but and so that's why I say like when it, whenever it comes to 
talking about this this kind of stuff with predestination, perseverance, and such like that. There's a level of grace we need to be sure we have because it's hard. Like um, as we learned with Aquinas and a few others in church, like the queen of the sciences was theology. That was the highest level of thinking and study was theology. And those guys learned like rhetoric and astronomy and mathematics and everything before they even got to learning theology. And so, and they were much smarter than we are and they struggled with it. And so even, even talk about like, you know, the Calvinist predestination stuff or, what would be called Arminius free will mm-hmm. or wherever you stand. I think some people, I think not everybody, but I think some people jump in one boat or the other a lot quicker. Yeah. They, they haven't studied it enough or they find this one thing and it's right. And they're like, Oh yeah, everything else is right. I think that's really, I'm not going to say dangerous, mm-hmm. but kind of ignorant. Yeah. I'm not saying that, Oh, Calvinists or Arminius, they're, that one's wrong. I'm just saying. Yeah. I think you should do more studying. Yeah. And oftentimes a lot of people do throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like they yeah. really do. Like because of, for example, uh, because of a, a view on predestination or limited atonement, they'll throw out everything with Calvinism and throw it all out. Um, including a lot of uh, Calvin and other reformers, uh, theology and literature and stuff like that that by and large is very good and so even though i'm not a five-point calvinist person yeah i can still read a lot of what uh reformed calvinistic thinkers write and glean a lot of information from it um that is good even though there's some things i might disagree with yeah i mean like we're not perfect like we can get certain things right like, I could have a correct interpretation of one scripture, mm-hmm. and I tell you this one, and it's not at all, like, mm-hmm. it, I took the context out or something like that. Right. So, you could be right on some things and not others, so mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of like wisdom and discernment, trying to pick those apart and really mm-hmm. articulate them and study them to make sure they're correct, but, yeah. yeah. I think that's one thing, um, recent scholarship and uh, uh, recent history has done better of is looking at stuff that ha- that was said many years ago and thinking critically through it rather than just accepting it. So like a common thing that was coming out uh, at that time <clears throat> was uh, supersessionism, <clears throat> where the church has replaced Israel, national Israel, as the people of God. And that's another controversial topic um, especially when you get into eschatology and and, end times and stuff like that of well what do you do with the people of Israel Um, because aren't they the covenant people of God as well like Christians are the covenant people of God we don't deny that but are we going to deny that Israel is the covenant people of God Um, and there was this very almost anti-Semitic attitude towards uh, Jews that led it's like yeah no like the Jews aren't the people of God anymore it's the church um, and in recent history uh, that's been thrown into question um, and I say when I say recent history I mean 
starting with dispensationalists and then moving onward to uh, progressive dispensational and progressive covenantal theologians um, of working through that question of, okay, what do you do with the people of Israel? Because if we say Israel's not the people of God anymore, well, then the question I think rightly asked was, okay, so what's the guarantee and assurance of Christians as the people of God? If God cut off one covenant people, why can't he cut off another covenant people? Um, Because of their rebellion or whatever reasons. Um, And I think it's a fair question. Um, So depending on where you land on it, obviously, is a host of other views as well. Um, Me me personally, I'm more of a progressive covenantal theologian when it comes to that. Not to say I'm a theologian, but that's where my theology seems to lie. Uh, I study this for one of my papers. That's why I can talk about it. Um, But I go on on the progressive side of it because I can't say you just replace Israel. But when you look at, in the particular scripture I went to, um, and I'm going to forget the reference, it was in Isaiah, um, was looking at the shoot of Jesse, Christ, to come from the stump of Israel. Um, therefore, Christ being Israel, the the shoot, the root, and both Gentiles and Jews can be grafted into the tree that is now Christ. Therefore, he's not getting rid of Israel. Israel has the same opportunity, the same free will decision as the Gentiles do to accept Christ and be grafted into this tree that the Jews and Israelites being the, what we call the natural branches of the same tree and for the Gentiles to be the wild branches of other trees, all grafted into this tree to become one tree. Um, so that's where covenantal progressive covenantal theologians kind of have started to come about, um, over the yeah. last like 40 years <clears throat> to where dispensational um, theologians, and I think y'all talked about this very briefly, yeah. Uh, but dispensational theologians will say, no, Israel and the church are the people of God and they're both distinct and uh, the church will be raptured up into heaven and then during the tribulation period, that's when all the Jews will be the Jews that are, whether it's the Jews that are elected or by choice, whatever the case may be, all the Jews at that point will be saved. And depending on where you stand on dispensational, you may say, oh, it's the 144,000, or it's, that's just a uh, metaphor. Yeah, metaphor for something. Metaphor for. Yeah, I mean, uh, numbers, numbers have all yeah, sorts of stuff in scripture that yeah, I, even I don't know. Yeah. So Numerology is very. It gets you in a whole lot of rabbit trails and yeah. stuff to think about, but yeah. So, <clears throat> sorry guys, uh, but yeah. So, like some dispensational thinkers will go that way and say, "Oh, well, it's in this time period that the hardening of Israel will be released, and then they will be able to be saved and stuff like that. And then once the fullness of them ha- is saved, that's when Jesus and 
those the those of us that were resurrected and raptured and all that uh, come back with him, and the thousand year reign happens and stuff like that. Um, but again, it's not just your view on the end times; it's your view on um, what does it mean to be the people of God, what does it mean to be uh, the church, and stuff like that. Um, that impacts all those other views as well. And so, simply put, theology is very messy, and it takes a lot of delicate care to work with. Yeah, I haven't started to study eschatology. I can't even say it. Yeah, eschatology. I, yeah, I haven't started to study. I'm like, no, nah, I'll, I'll wait till I get other things out of the way. Yeah, it is very difficult. Yeah, like I, I don't like I've read Revelation, but like to study it, I'm like, no, I haven't studied it. I can make references, but mm-hmm. even those are not always correct. Yeah. So. That was not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. There's a lot of stuff, and it's just oh, one of those things good. where, like, the more you, and it's one of those things. The more you study theology, the more you realize how much you don't know, <laughs> and, <laughs> how many misconceptions and yeah. contradictions you already had in your head. Yeah, and the, and this stuff that's like, oh, like, like I might have had a view where it's like, oh yeah, no, it must be this way, and all of a sudden I read something, I'm like. Oh, I'm an idiot for thinking that. <laughs> oh, dude, I got to tell you that. I, I ran in this. Uh, Craig talked about it a while ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Or you talked about it to me or something. But, like, when I first, like, was going through, I was going through, uh, I was doing a little Bible study with Noah. Yeah. Uh, like, months ago. Mm-hmm. And we started in Genesis before we really started doing it. Bill started preaching on it. Right. We started going through Genesis. And I can't remember what chapter it was. I think it was, like, <laughs> chapter five. I ran into, um, shoot, who's that guy's name? I can't remember his name, but Enoch. he. No, no, no. It. It was before Enoch. It was a descendant of Cain. Lamech. Lamech. That's what. That was his <laughs> name. So they're in. I can't remember. I think it's chapter five, but it has like the genealogy mm-hmm. and tells you like they had X amount of kids and yeah. lived to be this long. And you see this guy Lamech, and it talks about how he went and basically gloated about killing some kids. Yeah. And then right after, or like two verses after, another Lamech mm-hmm. comes up. Yep. Who is like a descendant of Seth? Seth, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and when I first read it, I was like, "Are these the same guys?" I was like, "That's a mm-hmm. that, why, why? Why is one really good and one really bad? If there's the same guy, like, why are we referencing this?" And then eventually, I, <laughs> I figured out. And Craig talked about it. And he's like, "Yeah, I, I thought they were the same guy for, at first. Well, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, when you you realize you have some messed up ideas or oh, yeah. you didn't understand whatever was going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but, there's." lots of things that are just like like I remember and it's really interesting how the spirit works too when there's passages that I've read hundreds of times that for whatever reason in a particular season in a particular time that passage I reread it and all of a sudden something else clicks and I'm like oh I've never yeah thought of that like I've read this so many times like what how did I and it really is interesting how like we can read things, and then, and this is part of the reason why we say like always read your always read your Bible, like continually spend daily devotions in it, because even things that they're like oh well I've read it like I already know what it says it's like yeah but like when you read it again and again and again, yeah. the Spirit does something new and different each time you read it. Um, like there are passages I've read that I read differently now than I did five, ten years ago. Um, and in five years, I'll probably read them differently again and stuff. And so part of us learning is to continually like, okay, like I'm, 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 I'm going to read the 
Genesis one through three again. All right, like I know this pretty well. Like, yeah. But then there's going to be something else that comes up where it's like, oh, I didn't realize that. Like for whatever reason, I I had this actually recently. Um, for whatever reason, I had always because I had put the creation account all together. I had always thought that the curses for eating the fruit were in Genesis one. They're not. They're in three, yeah. They're in two. Wait. Are they? Mm Mm-hmm. The curses... Like, so the curses that were given for the punishment are in three. Okay, yeah. But the curses, like, the warning, saying, if you eat of this, you'll surely die. For whatever reason, I always thought that was right after he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and do it. And it was just right after that. It's not even in Genesis 1. It's in Genesis 2. (laughs) There you go. Like, (laughs) and that was something I was like, I just read that recent, like, a week or two ago, and I was like... How have I not noticed that? Like, that's... What? Like, I've always known that was here, but... Yeah. Like, just stuff like that will happen where it's like, oh, like... So, like, if you just read Genesis 1 and then Genesis 3, you would completely miss why God's punishing Adam and Eve in the first place. Yeah. You would have to read Genesis 2 in order to understand. And that's part of, again, why we say context and all this stuff and everything. Is like, like, in order to understand... For example, Romans uh, 9, 10, and 11, you need to understand what's also being said in Romans 1 through 8. And then allow that to impact your view on 9, 10, and 11. Yeah. Um, and for the reason I mentioned that is because that's often 9, that's, that's 10, 11. That's the predestination. Is, it's the predestination that talks about Israel yeah. and all that. And what's interesting is that you have that section, and then for whatever reason, right after that, you get into... Romans 12, which immediately starts off with, Now offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. <laughs> like, why is that be, Like, why is that there yeah. in the context of we were just talking about God's plan for Israel? And so, yeah. And all those things impact views. They, they change you. They shape you. Uh, they grow you. You learn more things. Um, you learn to be much more compassionate with other people with different theologies. Um, like even with, uh, like I disagree with works-based salvation, but I have a level of respect. Um, I say a level of respect, not total respect, a level of respect. Let me be clear with that for any that hear this and think I'm about to sound like a heretic. Um, but there's a, I have a level of respect for people like that because... I think you just missed the mark and you forgot about grace, but you're at least trying to understand you have a responsibility to live holy and righteous according to like Christ and yeah. God's word and all that. Like you're looking at the host of scripture and saying obedience is mandated. We have to be obedient. And you're not punting the responsibility saying, "Oh, it's just grace." To where Paul has to say in Romans 6, I think. I think it's Romans 6. Uh, can we sin so that grace may abound? Yeah. Because the, because the logic is, well, the more I sin, the more God's grace is going to cover me. And so should we sin, therefore grace would abound and be greater? And he says absolutely He's not. Like, no, of course you, not. You used to be a slave to sin, now you're no, not. Like, obey. Like, yeah. Like, obey the word. <laughs> obey the commandments 
Like when Christ commissioned the disciples and the apostles, he said, teach them to do all that I, I told you. Teach them to obey. Yeah. And so works-based righteous, righteousness people are looking at that saying, okay, we need to obey. And I, and I can respect that. But they just unfortunately forget, hey, grace. Hey, like the only reason you can obey is because whether you're the Calvinist or libertarian like me, at least, at least 99.9999999, et cetera, percent, ad, ad infinitum, ad nauseum, uh, percent, Christ did the work and his grace is the re- their, uh, God's grace is the reason you can even obey. Yeah. Or for the Calvinist, the 100%. Um, it's only through that. Accept that first, then obey. Not your ob- because of your obedience, that leads you to this. It's not like you did 99 or 100% of the work, or because you only did 99% of the work, you didn't make it, and you need to do 100% of the work. No, you do very little of the work, if, if any at all. God's the one that did the work. You need to accept that. And I think that's part, for me, that's, that the, that's the language of accepting Christ. You accept, then obey. Yeah, because it was a free gift. Mm-hmm. It was already exactly. paid for. You paid the, the sin debt. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. It's not bad. I like that. Yeah. I'm liking this, man. I'm liking having <laughs> podcasts now where we talk about scripture and yeah. those type of topics. What I need to get into since David's <laughs> MIA or whatever. Yeah, David, come back. We miss you. <laughs> we love you. I will say this. Rock the mustache for a season. I will say this, Bean. This is the longest episode I've ever done. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> it's nighttime. We didn't start at night. Well, it's pretty much well, daylight savings. We're in the summer. Days are longer. <laughs> it's still a, 110 outside anyways, so... At 8 p.m. <laughs> I'm glad it's not 100 yet. <laughs> Next week's supposed to be 90s, I think. Oh, is it really Maybe bad? not all week, but I mean, it did rain like half this week, so. Man, that was such a blessing. It, it being down in the 70s and 80s this week was a blessing. And I imagine all the people that are up living in the north that are listening to this are like, 70s and 80s is a blessing? What? What? <laughs> I remember years ago, I went to uh, Colorado for a youth mission trip. We did like a sports camp in Colorado. And it was like 81 degrees, and all these kids are like dying, like acting like it's the hottest day of the year. And we're just like, guys, we're from Dallas, Texas. This is nothing. <laughs> you just got to get used to it, man. Spend a few years out there, you'll be good. So, uh, well, I guess we'll end it here. So I don't, I mean, we do have, what, you have to get up early in the morning. Well, Probably um, earlier. Yeah, I, guess if you're, just, I don't know if you're getting Caden or if it's uh, else's. Yeah, Sean Michael's not going to be at church tomorrow. Um, so I am getting Caden. So. Yeah, so I won't hold up your time anymore. <laughs> I but, uh, to eat dinner. I did not eat yet. So I didn't either. So so I will definitely need to do that as well. You can take those Dr. Peppers with you. I actually have. I've already got two cases at my house. I mean, unless you don't want them at all, I will I mean, take I'll them. keep them. I don't know. But you can always bring it to D&D next time and see what everyone else. I'm pretty ever, sure I won't be there next time about. either. Because in two weeks, that's I have the backpacking trip. I think it's the same weekend. Well, we'll play next week. I think if... if oh, this Friday? Y'all. If Trey... So, or not if Trey. If Hi. Craig... <laughs> if Craig... If I he switches to Tuesdays? Yeah. It, he said possibly this Tuesday he's going to switch it. Because he's done... They're done with school. 
Okay. And so he might switch it. If he switches it to Tuesday, then we will play on Friday. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't be able to play next Friday, but two weeks from now, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's the backpacking trip, so I'll miss that one. <clears throat> so you're going on that as well? I am. I, I planned on going it last year. Mm-hmm. And then. Who, who's so, all going on that trip? Do you know? Uh, David, Philip, Nathan, obviously Bill, I think Ben. I think there's like a teen or two going. I can't remember. I think Lane, uh, Cuban, oh, okay. Joey. I think. I don't know. Maybe a few other people. I don't know. There were only like ten, maybe fifteen of us total. Okay. But there were other people going. And we ended up canceling. But yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Caleb might go. Caleb Miller. But okay. Yeah. I don't know. He's married now, so I. That may have, he planned on going it to last year, so it might have changed to mm-hmm. now since he's now married. So, yeah, we'll see. All the, all the married people, gosh, <laughs> all the mar- <laughs> they're out. They're outnumbering us, man. Uh, yeah, it's getting that way. Get in or get out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you want to say anything at the end? Any other last words? Uh, yeah. So now that I'm, this is my second time on the podcast. I could actually think about last words. <laughs> Because I remember last time I was like, "Oh, we do this." Oh, um, I mean, it's just you don't have to say anything. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. Um, no. So my uh, my final words are um, just be compassionate with people that you uh, may disagree with theologically. Um, it could be a level of they haven't studied enough. It could be just they hold strong convictions for whatever reason. Uh, they might have maybe it's experience. Um, I know a lot of people that. Part of the reason they don't believe in God is because how could God allow um, such horrible things to happen to yeah. them? Uh, like I know I've known pe- I knew I knew one person or know one person um, where when she was a teenager, her one of her best friends was assaulted and having an affair with the youth pastor at the time, um, and that's why she's not in church. And so, and I know another man that. Uh, he's not a Christian because uh, his dad died like when he felt like it was way too early. Um, and so he had to live for a time without his dad. And so that was kind of a shock for him. Um, and so a lot of times when we're, de- when we're dealing with people, you got to have compassion and you got to be kind, be patient, um, and let prayer work, do its work. The Spirit does work and prayer does work. Be patient let it work, let it do its thing and uh, be willing to have conversations and also be humble enough to accept when you're wrong about things. Uh, don't be so arrogant to assume that everything you know about scripture is fact. certain in fact. Yeah. Um, because I guarantee you there are people out there that are smarter than you. Uh, there are always people out there that are smarter than you and there's people out there smarter than us. Um, and so, yeah, just compassion, integrity, humility. Essentially, live according to Christ. Uh, do that, and you'll do a lot more for the gospel than you would otherwise. And also, Boeing. Boeing. It's, dude, man, it's, every, it's the guests who keep on saying Boeing. It's getting, jeez. Yeah, poor one out for David. <laughs> you said the same thing he said. <laughs> yeah, I know. I listened to the episode. Pour one out for the homies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Um. Thanks for coming on. It yeah, was good. Thanks for having me. It was good. So, yeah. We'll do it again. Hopefully David returns. If not, mm-hmm. 
you have any plans for the 100th ep- episode? I know that's coming up. Logically, I don't think I can do the 100th episode without David. I don't know. <laughs> it might just be another episode. I don't know. Do I need to kid- do we need to kidnap David and like throw him in the I gave him Did you see did you see the uh I came in there on Sunday morning. You know, I texted you about if David was in class. Yeah, he told me about that. I didn't see it, but he told me about that. So you remember a, a, like a month or two ago, y'all were mm-hmm. talking about uh, the Robinsons uh, yeah. complaint forms and yeah. all that. Mm-hmm. And he had his picture. <laughs> I, I I saved the image and then I yeah. printed it out and filled it out and gave it to him <laughs> about the podcast. Yeah, because so. I remember I remember listening to it and I was like, oh man, I wonder if he did that. And I asked David about it. And he was like, oh yeah, he gave that to me. And I was like, yes. I walked in, <laughs> walked in, I slapped it down. I think Philip was next to him. He heard me. I said. <laughs> I, I, I said, uh, I can't remember what served. I said. Yeah, you've been served. And Philip like laughed, and I was walking out. So, yeah, because Alex was teaching, and he yeah. he's like, "Oh, are you leaving?" I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm not in, I'm not here, yeah. just passing through." Yeah. So, mm-hmm. all right, cool. Um, thanks for listening, and uh, get you next time. Yeah, till next time. Peace. <laughs>